want to be in the sequel. When there's no more room in hell, the Disenfranchised podcast will walk the earth. That's right, that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. It is our Spookython, and I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me, as always, the man who tries not to come back. It's Brett. Right. <laughs> hey, Brett. Hold on, I need a minute to compose myself after that. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Stephen. How we doing tonight, buddy? I, I'm doing all right, man. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing okay. I feel like I'm on this roll now of like f- not intending to throw you off in my intro, but figuring out a way to do it anyway. It's impressive every time. Well... You know, it, it's always nice when you can hit the mark. And Brett also joining us this week, as he often does these days, uh, is the man who knows how to raid a sporting goods store. It's Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi, Stephen. Um, Genghis Khan knows how to raid a, a sporting goods store, too. Yeah, he does. So, so you're in you good know. company or maybe yeah. bad company. I don't know. Where is Genghis Khan canceled? Is that is that I what mean, we're doing? He should I'm be, pretty like, sure he is. Okay, all right. He's I mean, the only one that company. he's the only one that shows up in Bill and Ted. Where I'm like, you guys sure you wanted to pick that guy up? <laughs> like, he's probably gonna kill you and have sex with every woman he sees. Correct. It's probably gonna happen. Yeah, at least. Yeah. No, the fact that he doesn't just means that that movie is not historically accurate. Well, they gave him Twinkies. He enjoys the excellent sugar rush. That's true. (laughs) And speaking of excellent sugar rushes, this is our Romero remakes uh, spookython where we are discussing all of the George Romero remakes that did not get sequels, but very probably could have. Uh, And so today we are discussing what film, Brett? Dawn of the Dead. 2004's Dawn of the Dead, directed by Zack Snyder, written by James Gunn, and starring Sarah Polly, Ving Rames, Mackay Pfeiffer, Jake Weber, Ty Burrell, Michael Kelly, Keith Zeggers, Michael Berry, Lindy Booth, Jane Eastwood, Boyd Banks, and many others. Matt Frewer, we got cameos by uh, three members of the original cast, Ken Forey, um, Tom Savini, and... Oh, what uh, it's uh, Scott uh, Scott H. Reiniger. I think I pronounced that right. What a yeah. cast! What a picture! Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Kind of. It's pretty all right. Yeah. Did you say you hate yeah. it? <laughs> I don't hate it. I okay. don't hate it outright. There's things that I like about right. it. Ah, pun in hundred percent intended. No, look, I. I, when it comes to zombie stories, I'm a sucker for the ones that show the beginning of the outbreak and how society collapses. Miss me with that post-apocalyptic shit. It's boring as hell. And see, that's what's weird about the Romero remakes, because in the original trilogy, uh, like I said in the last episode, they're connected by where they are in the outbreak. Right. Like, when we get to dawn, they're already almost a month into that shit Mm -hmm. and then like at least you know three or four months go by at least 
Um, and then Day is like a year or so after. But each one of the remakes all start at the beginning. Spoilers for next week. But yeah, they right. all start at the beginning of the outbreak, which is the only thing that really, really turns me off about the Dawn and the Day remakes. It's like, why? why? Like, why even fucking call it that if you're just going to like make a completely different movie with, you know, a few nods to the original. That's why Steven and I were talking about this before we started. This movie isn't a remake. It's an homage. At, at best. best, it's yeah. an homage. Yeah, because I mean, at least you can sort of get away with calling it Dawn of the Dead because Dawn is the beginning of a day. So, and also every exterior scene seems to take place at or near dawn. Yeah. Like you know, like we like we wouldn't notice just bludgeon us over the head with it, Zack Snyder. Yeah. But well, you know, good old, good old Zachary Snyder. Uh, Zachary Snyder is the epitome of the meme. Uh, I know a lot of directors who use subtlety, and they're all cowards. Wait, is he? Is he Zachary? Or it's, he could no, it's, be. It's he could be a Zacchaeus. He could Zachariah. be Zachariah. He could be a wee little man. Uh, Zachary Edward Zack Snyder, according oh, to his go. IMDb profile. I see. No tax collectors cool. here. Nope. It's just an odd choice to do a remake in terms of this one and the next one. It's weird to do a remake of what is really like the second and third movie in a trilogy but without mm-hmm. the first one or the first two to precede it. Mm-hmm. Seems like an odd choice. Well, and I think that's what makes these the, the, the remakes of this franchise in particular so interesting is that because of the way the original trilogy is so spaced out i guess uh in turn in terms of the fact that there are no returning characters from film to film um and there's different settings in each one different things that romero is commenting on in society they are connected only in so far as they are written and directed by george romero and these so so the remakes then are not connected by anything other than the titles having the fact that they are remakes of that trilogy yeah right i mean it's it's different studios every time it's different creative voices different filmmakers like there's there's and which is the reason why we're covering them honestly is because there is there is nothing connecting those films this is not a sequel to the tom savini remake of night of the living dead nor is day of the dead the 2008 remake steve miner's day of the dead a sequel to Zack snyder's dawn of the dead it is not there are three completely different films taking place within three completely separate realities and i think that's 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 what make that that's what gives us our entry point in to this entire theme month honestly is the fact that we're able to discuss these this way because of that discrepancy and, you know, say what you, say what you want about this movie, but and we will. Land of the Dead, Land of the Dead doesn't exist without this. Like this hit at the box office, and instead of making a sequel to this, they were like, "Hey, George Romero, what you up to? Mm. What if we give you like oh twenty million bucks to do something? Would you do that?" And he's like, "Actually, yeah, I would." Like, look, yeah. zombies are huge now. Why don't we yeah. go ask the guy that started it? Right. See if he wants to do something. As opposed to pitching him on a Resident Evil movie and telling him there's too many zombies in it. Yeah. 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 Yeah, this is universal, and so is Land of the Dead is universal as well. Like they're they're it's a direct link between this and Land of the Dead. It came out I I think Land of the Dead came out maybe a year, maybe two years later. I'll look it up. Oh yeah. 
I I can't wait until you do, Stephen. I'm pretty sure it came out in 05. Because uh, I still Land of the Dead does come Land out in 2005. Out. That is correct. And it, let me see if I can get the date, actually, so I can tell you exactly how long after it was. Scrolling, and I would scrolling. also say the thing connecting all the originals isn't just George Romero that it being the director, but also the zombie evolution. Mm-hmm. Like the zombies yeah, l- act roughly the same, but the, you can see them evolve through each movie. Fair. Yeah, no, and and like I, it's like I was saying last week, it, they're just connected by where they are in the outbreak. They are timeline sequels without sharing a timeline. Mm-hmm. If that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, the remake, Dawn of the Dead remake, comes out March uh, twenty uh, two thousand four. Uh, Land of the Dead comes out June two thousand five. So just a little over a year later, we have the fourth uh, Dead film from George Romero, the kickoff of his second trilogy. Is that, his is that enough trilogy. time? Like, were they already working on Land of the Dead? Is that enough time? Uh, I, I think that's enough time because I'm, I am certain, I don't know if you guys remember the poster to land of the dead, but it it goes way out of its way to mention George Romero to the fact to where the poster is autographed by George Romero. That's amazing. Uh, yes, it is. I'm looking at it. it. I'm looking at it right now. That is incredible. The legendary filmmaker brings you his ultimate zombie masterpiece, George A. Romero's land of the dead. And he signs it, Stay Scared, G.A. Romero. Which is what he signs everything. Like, so, uh, I've, I've showed you my book that he signed. Every, yeah, he, everything he signs, say, Stay Scared, everything. I mean, great. I will, as long as you keep making movies, George. Oh, he's, he's gone. Consistency. He's gone. And it was I was $5 million off on the budget. It was $15 million. Okay. But we didn't come here to talk about Land of the Dead, boys. No, we did not. We're here to talk about Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead. I will go ahead and just get my um, experience with this movie out of the way first. I knew it existed, but I didn't see it until yesterday when I watched it for this podcast. Um, so I, and I had heard that it was one of Snyder's better films. And after seeing it, I agree. That was a pretty low bar, though. Not, mean, don't get it twisted. That's a low bar. It's either this or Man of Steel are, are for my favorite oh, Snyder film. I really, that like bar Man is of Steel. practically on the floor. Here's the thing: I, I, I am not completely out on Snyder as a filmmaker. I think his fan base sucks ass, um, but I think he he has he has he has a skill. He has a skill set, and he uses it. The problem is sometimes he overuses it. Um, see the Snyder cut of Justice League, which, I mean, if you took out all the slow-mo, that movie would have been like a tight 90. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, it's a four-hour long movie because he just couldn't fucking help himself because he didn't have to help himself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what we get. Um but and, and there are two two of his movies I still have not seen. I've not seen Sucker Punch because I'm waiting till we watch it for this podcast. Oh, okay. And uh, I've not yet seen Army of the Dead because uh, who's got time to sit down and watch a three hour zombie movie? Not me yet. Uh, that one was. Um, I here's what I'll say about Army of the Dead is I had a lot of fun watching it, 
but I don't remember a lot about it. I believe that actually, except for a couple characters. There are a couple characters that stood out that kind of stuck with me. But outside of that, like, it was fun. It was a lot of fun. It really was. It was some really cool stuff going on. But just and that kind movie of had a, a sequel on Netflix kind of like six months later. Yeah, and I want to see it because it's not a zombie movie. It's like a heist thriller. It is. Yeah, which I think is actually it's like Army of Thieves. I think is what it's called. It has. It, it has very the, interesting. It has the one care one of the two characters in it that I actually that I remembered from the movie so i keep meaning to watch it but i forgot about it just like army of the dead i totally forgot it existed so yeah those are the two snyder films that i have uh to 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 the to date not seen um sucker punch is a guilty pleasure movie i completely acknowledge it is it's so much fun hot stinking garbage but i kind of dig it anyway i don't know i'm glad to hear you say that brett because at least i'm not alone I understand its flaws, but damn it if it's not a good time, and damn it if it doesn't look wonderful. That yeah, is a beautiful I, movie. And I also understand how problematic it is, but you know what? Yeah. It's fun. But you know what? Most of the people that I know that really dig that movie are women. So, I don't know. Like, is it problematic? Well, because the women that I know that enjoy it say that it's not. It's only the guys that I've talked to that are like, oh, it's, well, it's oh, man. I guess it depends on how you look at it, because you can also yeah. look at it from the point of view of like it's a female empowerment sort of. I mean, we had a similar too, conversation so. about Catwoman, Brett, if you recall. No, that's true. Um, yeah, you know, it, it depends on perspective. Like you were kind of just outright fuck this movie, and you know, like, but you, you get on Twitter and type in Catwoman, and there's a ton of women who find it very empowering. So, yeah, you know, which I mean, their... look, I'm just a cis hat white dude. Mm-hmm. With with a beard, even so, like, <laughs> that's like and, a cherry I mean, on top of this is that white guy. To your credit, the beard is not you know intrude only on your neck. So you know there's oh no, I avoid that shit. I keep it off my neck because you're yeah. not you're not supposed to have it on your neck. That's the yep. thing. Me too. Look, look at this. Look at this trim job. I do this myself. Yeah, look at that. Figured. How straight those lines are. Good. Nice, nice, nice. No, but yeah. So I'm just that's just me. So like I don't. I don't have a voice there. If, yeah. if, if they want to say it's a great movie and they love it, awesome, cool. Yeah, I dig Hell it. Yeah. I'm gonna listen to you. I was gonna say so. at that point, it's it's our job to listen. So, yeah, yeah. I'm gonna sit down and shut the fuck up. That's it. And not everything has to be for everybody, as I've oh, said many times. And that's also the nature of art is mm-hmm. everybody is allowed to have their own interpretation of it. And yeah, we get to interpret it in, in, in very, and we get to interpret it in different ways than the artist intended, which I find great. Me too. Also true. I wrote a short story once that uh, one of my, one of my teachers used in her class and uh, kids would come up and ask me questions about what I intended when I wrote it. And I'm just like, I don't know. What do you think? Because, you know, I I intended it one way, but, you know, if you see something else in it, it, that's probably right. And it's moments like that that I really respect David Lynch, who refuses to interpret his movies for anybody. Yeah. Eraserhead, your most spiritual film? You going to elaborate on that? No. No, he's not. God. And it's I love him fun. for it. I yeah. love him for it. It's more fun to be a little ambiguous about that kind of stuff. Let people figure it out on their own or put their own meaning onto it. That's because that's what's that's- about art. That's what gives art meaning is the the meaning that we imbue it we, we imbue it with. So yeah, absolutely. Everything like 
when I write music, my solo music, that mm-hmm. all that that means something. All of those words mean something. Like right. the, it's it's meticulously plotted to get a point across, you know, or to say a certain thing. But when I write um, lyrics, when I'm in mm-hmm. a band, it's all just whatever sounds good coming out of my mouth, and I mm-hmm. try to kind of connect it as best as I can. And people have interpreted. I just love hearing what people interpret the songs as because I have no intention behind them except to the, sound good. The Nirvana. So like when people are like, "Oh, this means," duh, 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 and I'm like, "Yeah, dude, never thought of it that way before. In fact, never thought of it at all. I just sing the song, and that's wild. <laughs> that's wild. I love that. Yeah. That's what yeah, I love about art, man. Yeah, it's like Bob Dylan effect, the Nirvana method. Like mm-hmm. that's why MF you know, Doom. Yeah, so it's insane, they just, yeah. They just but, say yeah. words to match the music, yeah. and it doesn't really mean anything the allen ginsburg school of writing yeah there you go yeah <laughs> right on uh brett what what's your history with the dawn of with let's say the original dawn of the dead and the dawn of the dead remake um i would say that it looks so i mean i saw it when it came out because i mean me and my dad went and saw it because mm-hmm. we were like fuck yeah dawn of the dead is great let's go watch a remake um because, I mean, remakes weren't, horror remakes weren't exactly fresh around this time. But I mean, yeah, Well, this is only a year after the Texas Chainsaw Massacre remake. Well, and Dark Castle had been, like, up everybody's ass with remaking every William Castle movie ever. Like, oh, House yeah, on that's true. Hill, you know, uh, 13 Goats, House of Wax. That's I forgot. Well, House which, of Wax is the year after, but yeah, no, I. Which, I so it was so honestly sure. around that time, like those, I thought those were some pretty good movies. So. I still love all three of those movies I just mentioned. I think they're all fucking phenomenal. Well, they're so not good I. movies, but they're a lot of fun. I love. Uh, you watching shut your movies. mouth about Thirteen Ghosts. Thirteen Ghosts. Oh is no, legit, you're right. Really good film. <laughs> goats? goats, goats, Brad. Yes, Thirteen Goats. Okay. Yes. <laughs> no ghosts. God damn it! Pay attention. Have you not, have you not seen the goat cut? Um, <laughs> They're wearing the glasses. It's hilarious. Um, so, yeah, so I went into this thing and it was going to be great. And and at the time, I think I, I think I enjoyed it at the time. Um, just be, like really enjoyed it. Like thought it was great. Um, it, it was only after once you saw what running zombies did to the genre when I started to really resent this film. Because you're on record as being anti-fast zombie. Yes. Go see our World War Z episode for Brett's, like, screed against fast zombies. Or there's a bunch of other episodes. I was going to say, but that's that was the big one. Like, that's, that's the, the, the reason one. we picked yeah. World War Z is because you wanted to go off on some fast that's, zombies. That's when I climb the hill and proceed to die on it. Yes. Correct. Yes. <laughs> like so many seven samurai before him. Yeah. That's all right. I'll be up there just barely hanging on with you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank yeah, you. Yeah. I appreciate that, brother. Um, and we actually did do a little bit of the history of the fast zombie last week. Yeah. Yeah. We on our Night of the Living Dead episode. Yeah. Yeah. This this is where it, this I think this is where we're really going to talk about it because 28 days later it'd been out. Mm-hmm. And that they weren't really zombies. So I don't think I really clocked that. Which make so, that that's why it makes sense is because they're still alive. They just are driven insane by a disease. But yeah, that's the, why it makes sense. It's the it's the pandemic nature of it that I think and kind of the 
the dead-eyed whatever of it that kind of leads people to draw the correlation between the creatures in 28 Days Later and zombies. And so yeah, it's certainly, becomes... certainly zombie adjacent. As, right. as I said last week, if you were to ask random Joe Schmo on the street, are the 28 Days Later get things zombies? They would say yes. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, I mean, I get it. That's That's a very, that's right in line with any other nerdy argument. Like, does a zombie have to be dead to be a zombie? Or does it just have to be mindless, ravenous creature that was mm-hmm. once human? I have an opinion, but other people might not. And so that's where it is. Well, f- for me, it's like, you know how a square is a rectangle, but a rectangle's not a square? Mm-hmm. Yes. It's kind of that thing. It's a very With perfect 28 example, days yes. later. Yeah, like... Are they zombies? No. But do they belong on the infographic in the circle of zombies? Yes. Yeah. There's a Venn diagram where they're in the same space. Yeah. Sure. Oh, yeah. For sure. Um, but uh, now when it comes to this movie, like I, I remember really enjoying it. I really liked it. Um, this is probably the first zombie movie that like really frightened me because mm. they ran. Like, because I'm like, you know, before you watch a zombie movie, you're like, yeah, you just, you know, like Barbara says, you just walk around them. You, you could just, just walk right by them. You just walk, right, just by walk them. right by them. But uh, once they're running, like, no. they're fast now. They're fast now. <laughs> oh, God. Don't, don't, don't evoke that trilogy. Um, I, I just did. Oh, Jesus. Um, but yeah, so what? once they're running, full sprint and tackling you like i'm dead i'm dead right away mm-hmm. i don't I don't stand a chance immediately like just from yeah. fright they don't even have to get you as soon as they start running towards you brett just dies of a heart attack pretty much Here's the thing. I, I is trope funny because because all the fat people become zombies first because they're slow and fat yes that's true yeah no i've look i have resigned myself to being the first guy dead in any horror scenario just that's that's me and I've I've resigned myself to that. I know that about myself. That's not in just any. what happens for me. Not in any. No, Most for me in them. any. Most I will them. I will die in any horror scenario. What you mean the killer's just going to walk behind me? I will run and fall over and lie there going, ah, like a Family Guy character until he sneaks up and stabs me. That's true. That's true. Yeah. So yeah. I mean, I wouldn't trip. I would just get winded within like 10 seconds. and then. I'd... I mean, look, por que no los dos? I'd be sucking air so bad, I'd probably have a heart attack <laughs> before he stabbed me. Let's be honest. <laughs> so that's, that's Brett's way out of any horror scenario is a heart attack first. And then, yeah. you know, whatever the whatever death comes from, whatever. Yeah, honestly, are. like in, 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 a, in a Dawn of the Dead remake scenario, I'd probably have a heart attack out of fear. More than mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'm saying, man. Yeah, yeah. But uh, but yeah, so that's my history with it. Tucker, what about yourself? Boy, do I have a doozy, you guys. Um, so the original, um, I rented from the Warren Library on VHS when I was a young man in middle school. Oh, the original. And... I forgot to mention, I watched the original when my dad showed it to me back in the day with the other three. There you go. Carry on. Okay. Um, And I really liked it. It was like, it was kind of one of those eye opener movies where I was like, wait a minute, this can be a movie. Like 
I can watch a movie and it's this. Mm-hmm. That's insane. Like I couldn't believe it. Um, so I was a huge fan. I had probably six or seven different like Anchor Bay releases of it on VHS, like three or four different clamshells, a couple double tapes where it had like special features on the other tape and stuff. So many. In fact, I have the uh, the original DVD collector set that has um, the theatrical cut, the extended cut, and the Argento cut, plus another disc with special features and stuff. And that's really cool. Um, Now, when this film came out, the one we're talking about today, the remake, when it came out in 2004, I was living uh, in Germany. Um, We had a theater on base that sucked because it was still film projectors and they just hired anybody and nobody knew how to run a projector. So I tried to never go to the base theater. We had a theater that was probably about 10 minutes off base in town. Um, that catered towards the the English speaking residents of the town, of which there were many because there was a military base there. Sure. Um, they had ten theaters, five on one side, five on the other. This side, the movies were in German. This side, the movies were in English. Nice, pretty fucking cool, right? Uh, so <clears throat> I got to see Dawn of the Dead the day it came out. The only problem is that uh, two days before it came out, I had just had surgery on a hernia. Mm. Uh, left inguinal, for anyone who knows what that is. It's not fun. It's not fun having it, and it's not fun getting it repaired. Uh, so Made I could. With a hernia. Yeah. <laughs> I too was singing that in my head. Yay. Yeah, look, you may not be. Here familiar with the different types of hernias that you could get <laughs> uh, <laughs> just starts listing hernias it's so great yes, and mine's in there yeah anyway right on i could not i could barely shuffle like i was a romero zombie mm. when this movie came out and the parking lot to this place they had a main parking lot that was very small and then across the street they had an overflow parking lot and we had to park in the overflow parking lot. My friend Dave went with me and it took me about 15 minutes just to get to the theater because it was literally like step, take a deep breath, another step, wince in pain, take a deep breath, step, take a deep breath. That sounds like how I move when I had, when I throw my back out, like, yeah, not fun. It was not fun, but I eventually made it to the movie theater. Uh, and of course, Ten the lobby after huge. the movie started. So it took me another 15 minutes just to get through the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Dave was a big guy. Looking back on it, he should have just carried me. I don't know why. He should I have. Be like, hey, carry me. Hey, I'm he make would me Yoda. Have. I, yeah. I, I, let me Yoda on your back. Yeah, dude. Uh, but I, I saw it at the movie theater and uh like like brett you know the first time you see it at the theater after all the build-up boy it is wonderful it really really is um of course with time seeing it in subsequent viewings i've owned the dvd since that came out Mm -hmm. um and it's it's never going to be as good as the first time but i still really really enjoy it um uh, the one thing that did bother me about it was not that 
the zombies were fast, but more that fast zombies don't make scientific sense. I mean, zombies don't make scientific sense, but if I'm going to suspend my belief to here and fast zombies are a little bit up here because they're dead. They're all messed up, you know, like the only thing before, right? The only thing they are pure motorized instinct. There's one part of their brain that has been reactivated by who knows what. And the only thing they have, very little coordination. They just have an urge to feed. That's all they know. They're babies. They're right. just babies, man. It's They're all uncoordinated instinct. babies. And that's why Romero zombies are slow and shambling because they're struggling to move like I was to see this movie, just struggling to get somewhere, putting one foot over the other. Like, I guess this is how you walk. Like, um, And that's why I love in the original, I love the zombies on the escalators. Mm, but they're just mm. having so much trouble with those escalators. They're just like like turning around like right when they get on the escalator and they're just like falling over, tripping over each other. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, dude. And like these these zombies, especially uh let's say there was a sequel to Dawn of the Dead. There let's say there were many sequels to the remake. I think um, it, the the first sequel should have been called Island of the Dead cuz they end up on an island. Any island. Any island and they're just and fighting the, the zombies on the islands. You got any cigarettes? Uh, so (laughs) sure don't (laughs) yeah dude i just took Um, a puff off my vape because that's true that did happen i witnessed it that's true they take a puff of their vapes they say no we (laughs) don't have any cigarettes and they get on the helicopter just light up a bunch of cigarettes we have no tobacco today one of my favorite moments in that movie (laughs) it is it is good um but like if this is the problem i had with the walking dead is that you know, eventually there's not going to be any zombies left because they will all rot. There's mm. no way in The Walking Dead that they are that far in the into the zombie apocalypse and there are still that many physically able zombies. They would all just be rotted mush on the ground. Just ridiculous. But anyway, fast zombies. Yeah, like their knees would snap. Like they're... Their muscles would tear like they they're not built to move like that. Zombies are not built to move like that. Right. That's my take on fast zombies, though. I do still love this movie. And I do agree that in some situations, if you can suspend your disbelief enough, they can be scarier than slow zombies. I think Train to way. Busan is a great example of how you get a fast zombie movie to work, because I think they work very well in Train to Busan. Personally. Absolutely. Because, yeah. I mean, uh, most of the time they're just kind of sh- they're shuffle walking. Mm-hmm. They're not like running full. Sometimes they are, but like they mix it up a little bit. They like, do. It's not just straight. They run all the time. Right. Um, it's it's what it it's the tension of it is what I find so so interesting and and so fun yeah. about that. Uh, Snyder yeah. said that the reason he went with the fast zombie model here is because he wanted to play against the 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 stereotypical image of a zombie in order to try to make them seem more threatening. Um, well, I think he succeeds. This is one of the movies where, like Brett touched on, where the the fast zombies are scary, despite mm-hmm. them. It's just silly that they exist. Now, a movie that does fast zombies poorly, 
I wonder if we could say it all together. It's World War Z. I knew I I had a feeling that was where you were going. Yeah. Fuck those fast zombies. You know what? I turned that motherfucker off. I did. I still never have seen the entire thing. Like once he gets in that room with the chattering zombie, I'm like, really? This is this is what we're doing? Really? It is and what we're th- doing. You had a budget this big and this is what we're doing? No mm-hmm. thanks. Click. Offset by that uh, by that great product placement from that vending machine, though. Oh. I haven't seen it. I saw it once and I didn't even finish it, so I don't remember nothing, what it was. Nothing will offset the giant steaming dump it took on the source material. So, Oh, yeah. there's that, too. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Go back and listen to that so, episode, too. That was a good episode. Which, I mean, if we're talking about zombie media, go read World War Z. I have yeah, the audio book sure. on my phone. That's a, that's a good bathroom book. Leave that on the back of your toilet and just peruse through it while you're taking a shit. It's... Or yeah, or or listen to the unabridged audio version because the that voice the cast on that the oh, voice yeah. cast on that thing is insane. I need Mark to Hamill, I need Scorsese, to buy that because Carl of Ryan. the cast. Yeah, Nathan Fillion. Uh, yeah, I don't know. You name it. Like every who's that is who why I, that is why I bought the unabridged one is because of that cast. So. Does Mel Brooks show up? No, but his buddy Carl does. Carl, Carl Reiner. Reiner? Yeah. 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 They had only released an abridged version of it because they thought it was, at the time, it was too expensive to do a full cast recording because of how many different voice actors they would need to hire. But the abridged version they did release had, like, Mark Hamill, and I think it might have had the Carl Reiner one on it. Like, the, the abridged did, version yeah. had a great voice cast, so there was a huge, like push for them to do the whole thing yeah and uncle marty shows up in the unabridged one which is again part of the reason i wanted the unabridged one is because i want to listen to uncle marty because i love that guy yeah i love my uncle marty he loves you too steven i hope so yeah and surprise in the world war z universe there's slow zombies Mm, and i can't believe it um and it and it's very as scientifically accurate as it could be um, now, if you're getting scientifically accurate, you want the the book that came before this, the zombie, the survival, zombie survival, zombie survival guide. guide, which is another great toilet book. But it's written by the same, written by Max Brooks. I mean, it's written by yeah. the same guy. So. I said it preceded it. Yeah, yeah. Max Brooks is one of the good Nepo babies, unlike the the, so. the bad Max Nepo baby, Max Landis. Um, oh, we don't. Yeah, he's one of these. Honestly, he's in that. We should shall not be named. Category. Yeah, we should probably we should probably stop stop mentioning him. I mean, right if along I, with his dad too. Honestly, like just right. There's yeah. a reason we're probably never going to cover Twilight Zone the movie, and it's because of his dad. So, hey, we could. Joe Dante. Joe Dante's still friends with him. So I'm very upset about just it. Saying, I would love to talk about the Twilight Zone movie, but I understand why we can't. We can't or don't want to. I mean, I I kind of want to also because it. I I like just about everything else about it other than that first section i like everything about it and i wish that i had never found out about the thing about it i wish i had never heard about that because now like i can't watch it because i'm like yo those those people right there like they died like right like those three people in some film that was connected to some of the film that we're watching right in an act of uh just brazen uh flaunting of safety regulations and you know i can i still watch the crow though which is weird 
Well, because hmm. that wasn't a flagrant disregard for safety. It was. It was an. It was a pure accident. It was yeah. like pure. Did they? They just didn't. It was an. It was an accident. Like, yeah, they didn't clear the chamber and put a blank behind a bullet and. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Which Brandon I mean, Lee. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Taken from us way too fucking soon. Way too fucking soon. Absolutely. But, maybe we'll. Yeah. Maybe we'll do an unenfranchised on the fourth Crow movie when the oh, new one comes I out. I don't want to watch it though. Oh, because that new one, right? Yeah. With the uh, Skarsgård. Which one of the Skarsgårds is in it? Oh, I would uh, guess Alexander. The one that played it. Oh, Bill? Okay. Yeah. I was going to say, I would guess Alexander, but Bill also makes sense. The middle one. The middle one's the one that doesn't make sense, but okay. Hmm. But Dawn of the Dead. The Dawn of the Dead. Of Dawn of the Dead. I, I love the fact that this movie uh, is uh, features the, the two men that would separately become the architects of the DC f- cinematic universe. Um, yeah directed by the first one zach snyder and then written by the second james gunn scooby-doo's james gunn scooby-doo monsters unleashed james gunn and at this point in his career that is what he was known for Mm -hmm. he had done some un he basically he was he was trauma tromeo and juliet uh like just a bunch of trauma shit he had written a movie called the specials and had oh, done some I like that movie too. Have you guys seen that? I have not. It, we could cover it though. It's pretty all right. It was fun. That's what I've heard. We can we can absolutely cover that one though. Uh and he did some uncredited ghostwriting on a movie called 13 Ghosts, which we have already um you know, invoked on this episode. Yay. Not 13 uh, Goats though. No. no. Ghosts, no, goddammit. Uh, and Pay then, of attention. course, he is at this point most famous for being the guy who wrote Scooby-Doo. And that is the main reason why people did not want him to have anything to do with this movie. Because how dare they get the fucking guy who did the Scooby-Doo movies to write Dawn of the Dead. How fucking dare they? I have one thing to say about that, and it's Dummies! <laughs> dummies 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 and yeah because let's dummies. be honest like people can you know people people are vast they contain multitudes and just because someone doesn't meet your immediate criteria of what something should be doesn't mean that you get to just blatantly and flagrantly ignore them so see everyone who's ever been cast as batman Correct. Or the Joker, with the exception of Jared Leto. But yeah. <laughs> and that just happens to be the one that sucked. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Which is funny. Everyone embraced that one and he's the one that sucked. But yeah. <laughs> Wild. Um but yeah, so I mean, but that's what he's known for. So, you know, at the and again, this is the the advent of the internet. The internet is still in its infancy. So, you know, the message boards are going crazy, forums off the wall. Oh, we we hate this. We hate this guy. Um, and yeah, James Gunn got a lot of pushback, a lot of might even say death threats as a result of of this. So um, but uh, I think ultimately the script is pretty solid. <sighs> I agree. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's got the James Gunn DNA all over it. Mm hmm. So. You know, it's got your, 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 and this is around the time again, where he's very much attempting to be the provocateur. Um, so he's, you know, it's got kind of an edge to it that 
even some of his later stuff doesn't quite have um but it's it's still i mean it's 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 quirky it's funny but still respectful if not reverent at points um and able to um and and actually does have something to say beyond just hey aren't zombies cool um which again is something that i think gun does better than 95 percent of the other filmmakers who work in the kind of genres that he does uh specifically the superhero genre these days is he's actually you know what he said when he took over DC story is King. We're going to put the story first and foremost. And I think he's very good at that. Now, is he quite as tested here as he would become? Obviously not. He's fairly early in his screenwriting career. And so is this a perfect script? No, but it's still, I think very serviceable and very well done. Um, if not as nuanced as some of his later work would be. The thing about James Gunn, I think that makes him very unique is that he can inject heart into the most ridiculous thing mm-hmm. that's his superpower and you give him like the silliest fucking thing ever and he's like i'm gonna make you cry during this movie hold up yeah hold up basically yeah that's kind of what it comes down to um and he's able to do it remarkably well mm-hmm. like yeah he's got he's got a, a just again that good ability i would i would say at the time he's doing this, the only other guy who really has that kind of reputation around him is another terrible person. I'm about to mention a terrible person who probably ought not be invoked, but I'm going to invoke him. Uh, Joss Whedon, the you know the one-time king of the nerds, is the guy who you would count on to make you cry in the middle of a show about teenage vampire hunters. So you know that that's kind of it, it's a lateral line at least in terms of where they were around this time. Um, and in terms of the kind of stuff that they would become known for really doing well. Word. Well, so, but I will have to say um, for all of the, the decent writing um, and I'm trying to find it because I don't remember exactly what it says. Um, but there is a line that kind of shits on the message of the original. Mm. Um when they're, if I recall, they're they're up on the roof discussing, you know, similar to the scene in the original where they're like, you know, they just, why do you think they all congregate here? Right, just, they're us. Yeah, they're we're they're them us. and they're they're, us. they're they're just you the know instinct li- memory. Yeah, yeah, living out you know the the commentary on consumerism. Right. And, um, you know, made very evident by the final scene where the zombies are literally just chowing down on the people that have been looting the mall for the last 10 minutes. Yeah. Whereas in this one, they do that same scene, that same line. It's still poignant and follow it up immediately with, nah, man, I think they're just fucking stupid or like something like that. Like just they just totally write it off like, no, that doesn't make any sense. Fuck that. But like, that's also a very... Like that, that's some of that like 90s cynicism bleeding into the early aughts, like because that is that that's very much a piece of the kind of kind of caustic, um, cynical um, sort of writing that we would get in a lot of films from around that time. Um, and it's, it's sure. the thing that it's the thing that Marvel does really well now where they'll give this moment of like brilliant pathos and then undercut it like with a can you believe we're doing this kind of a thing. Like it's it's that kind of you you undercut the moment in order to 
you know, lighten the tension. So you're not, so it doesn't feel like you're beating people over the head with the thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying I like it. I'm just saying that's, I think that's the reason. Well, because my next point was going to be the part. It's funny how the turntables was last week. You're talking about, you know, how the, the remake wasn't as good because it doesn't have the same message. And here you are defending the fact that the remake doesn't have the same message. But okay. So. But here's no, but here's, Here's here's the thing I will say for this version that I don't think the the nineteen ninety remake of Night of the Living Dead did. There we it feels like there's an actual attempt at some sort of social relevancy, but it's an updated social relevancy. So it's not the social it's not the like complete anti consumerist screed of that that presages the the Reagan era by like a couple of years, which is I think fascinating that the original film does. Um, but we're, we're instead, we're making a comment on the nature of community in a post nine 11 society. Like, cause like every movie that kind of comes out during this time frame, there's this always kind of thought in the back of our heads is what are we now? Uh, like, uh, like Fran says in the original film, what have we done to ourselves? And that's kind of the, the notion I think that carries through this film. I think it's still trying to make a culturally, solvent point it's just a different culturally solvent point than the one that Romero's making and wait next- you're talking about that scene where Flyboy's being a dick right which one yeah, exactly yes yeah, every much all scene of them? he's all in yes what an asshole man right oh. exactly I hate him so much I think but, you're supposed to I, yeah oh yeah uh, but but so I which I agree with you and I think that would be great but you don't have to they don't you don't you can do that without shitting on one of the most poignant lines of the original sure you can do that without shitting on dialogue that's like his the, basically that di- line of dialogue in the original is like part of romero's thesis agreed so like i mean and there are a few of those moments within that original film that i think are really but but again, I'm I'm not saying this film is anywhere near as good as the original Dawn of the Dead. It's not. Like I I marked this one a whole star lower than I than I rated the the original film. But it so it's not it's not on the same level at all. I there an attempt was made, and I respect that it was made. I respect that it's trying to take a swing and that it's trying to do something, but I don't think it does it as well. The, there's, this movie does not have a singular thesis going throughout it. Um, I think, but it but it attempts to do something so culturally solvent. And see, that's that's so weird because based on what you said last week, like to me, this remake is just it's fluff. It's really fun and it can be really clever but it's just fluff there to me. There's nothing in this movie that is like serious social commentary or satire. Whereas the remake of night at least did touch on some of that stuff. It's so weird that like I, that's, we were talking about art. It's so weird. You know, people take different things from it. I think it's so cool. I, I, I think I would liken the, these two remakes, the, the night and dawn remakes as uh, two different kinds of cover songs. Um, which a similar kind of thing. And I think night is a much more like true to form uh, cover, like uh, maybe Jeff Buckley's hallelujah. Like it's very mm-hmm. true to the, the original form of the, of the Leonard Cohen song. Um, but it's, it's his personal spin. So it's different, 
but it's still kind of in that same like general mood and theme and mode. Whereas like the Dawn remake is more like the country remake of or the country cover of gin and juice. Like it's, I would have said like a, a punk rock cover of something. Right. Because like it's, it's just, it gets right to it. Like there's no just, fucking around in this movie at all. Zero no, fucking just, around. It's doing a completely different thing while still riffing on a lot of the, I would say specifically imagery of the original film more than things like theme or character. Like Tom Savini, you get the idea that he just worships and reveres the original night of the living dead. And so he wants to make something that is reverent. Whereas I think Gunn and Snyder are more interested in um, riffing on the original and trying to do their own thing within the framework of the original rather than feeling like they need to be so beholden to what the original is. And so I I guess, I don't know for me, that's the distinction. I I did like this one. I think a little better than the remake of night that may change. I did. That may change a little, a little that may change on subsequent rewatches. I think Brett is going to like not talk to me for a week again. Um, this is, this is damn right, near Brett. close to you not liking the original Friday the 13th. Tape. I was going to say, I, that's, that's the close. other thing that made you not talk that's to real me. That's real close. For a week, so. That's all right, Brett. Opinions are like assholes. Everybody has one and they all fucking stink. That's true. You're right. So, but I don't know. I'm just, again, and, and like I said last week, I am willing to be wrong. Um, so, you know, put me in my place, gentlemen. Well, what, I mean... I thought we had pretty solid arguments to put you in your place last week, but you fought your way out of that paper bag. Like we got <laughs> to beat you at a debate to change your mind. It's not just like, prove me wrong. It's like, no, you fucking get in there and you spend am, an hour the, on a thesis to prove me wrong. I'm the, guy, changing. I'm the guy at the table in the meme, like blank is blank, change my mind. Like that's kind of, I guess, where I'm at with these. But but and again, I don't have the same reverence for these that or, or for and for the originals that you guys have. like. I saw the original Dawn of the Dead a, like Today. an hour and a half ago. A couple hours yeah. ago, yeah. I, I finished. I finished watching that an hour and a half ago. So like, as of the time of this recording right now, so like I don't have that kind of just the reverence for the thing. Did I love it? Yeah, I loved it. I thought it was great. Um, is this one as successful? God no, but. And, and maybe maybe the reason I didn't care for the the Savini remake of Night of the Living Dead is because I've seen Night several the original Night of the Living Dead several times. Um, okay. uh, maybe maybe, so maybe that has something to do with it. Well, okay, fair, but that's the only one I've seen several times. I've seen Day once and Diary once, and that and Night I've seen like five times. So, I don't know. I don't know, man. I'm just I'm just. I'm just over here trying to to make a guess as to why it it hits different for you than it well, does. For well, me. look, man. Yes, I've learned to temper my expectations about your horror opinions because you don't have the emotional attachment to them that I or Tucker do. I don't really have so. that much emotional attachment to most art, but yeah. And that's and, just, that just makes me legitimately sad, honestly. Like, I don't know how you could not have emotional attachment to most art. It's weird. I like what I like, man. That's but I'm not. What I'm not, art is, dude. I also yeah. try not to be precious about things. Like I like what I like, but I, I, you know, I respect someone who may not like it to the extent that I do, or may oh, not yeah, no. have it resonate to well, the no. same degree. You know, like that's not. Those aren't the same thing. Yeah, like. <laughs> 
Those aren't anywhere the same thing. That's not how this works. That's not how any of this works. <laughs> but like, I you, mean, you can Iris because like I respect your opinions about stuff, but I am so emotionally attached to art. Like my God, yeah, it's the core yeah. of my being. Like, you, like as you passionate know, as you are about movies, you're emotionally attached to movies, and movies are art, right? Yeah. Okay. You know, like the, you could, but by the same token, like I'll I'll hear other opinions. Like I. I don't know. I, I'm, I and again, though. I'm willing. I'm willing to, but but it's. It, I don't know. It's not. It's not everything that I am. I guess. Like there, there's more to me than just my love for movies. You know, know, you guys know the meme with the kid and the headphones, and he's just freaking out. Mm-hmm. I felt that three times just today. I'm just saying, man, you got you got to let art into your heart, Stephen. Let Dude. art into your heart. Like, not you don't have to be. And this, and maybe this is the problem with the internet age and social media nowadays. It's made you think that your your opinion is your passion; that they're the same thing. They're not. Like, just just because your opinion might differ, or you're okay with accepting other opinions doesn't mean that you're not passionate and you're not emotionally attached to the thing you like. They're not the same. Yeah, dude. I cried listening to George Benson today, dude. You guys. It's like soft jazz. Come on. I, 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 I mean, I'll, I'll cry. Let I'll art into your heart, heart Stephen. Like, I mean, I, no, I, I cry all the time. Like, for the past, like, year and a half, two years, I've, I've it, it has not taken much to make me cry at any... I, I, watched all of the Muppet movies and I cried on every single Muppet movie up until Treasure Island. I don't think I would have cried at all of them, but there would be at least a couple times in the first film and oh, Muppet the first Carol where I would just film. be blubbering my dick off. Oh yeah. The, the, the part toward the end where like they're in the ghost town and all of the rest of the Muppets come up behind Kermit when he's doing the square with square off with Doc Hopper. I just, cause all his friends love him. And I just, it gets me Shut every up, time. Steven. I'm getting misty eyed. Shut up. And when he sings rainbow connection. And then at the end when the, like the, the whole set breaks and the light comes in and the rainbow shines on all of them and they start singing all together. And there's a whole bunch of them. It just fucking gets me every time. Yeah, dude. That's what man. Didn't you do have emotional responses yeah. to art, Stephen? You Come on, man. Literally just said you have a. You just described on, an emotional man. attachment to art, my guy. I'm Put willing to be proven down, wrong, and Steven. I have been proven wrong. No, Put the I, weed down. You can have my weed when you cry it from your <laughs> cold, dead, zombified hands. Oh, that's all right. We're, we're learning stuff about each other, guys. That's what's beautiful about the format of podcasting. We're just three dudes, like just becoming better friends. It's wonderful. And you all get to listen to us do it. That's that's yeah. the thing, man. You might that's even so say cool. it's a rainbow connection. <gasps> Just sitting here watching your boys grow every week. Just becoming personally a little and together. Right. Just becoming a little bit closer every week to the people they were always destined to be. Yeah, dude. Guys, we're almost an hour in. Should we do the plot? Let's do 60? it. Let's do the plot. Let's, yeah. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Uh, so for those of you joining us for this episode for the first time, first of all, welcome. Uh, but second of all, this is the pl- part of the show where we, one of us, at the behest of the D6 of Destiny, will recount the plot of the film we're discussing, in this case, 2004's Dawn of the Dead remake, in 60 seconds or less. And to determine that, uh, which of us will read it, Brett will assign sides to each of us from the D6 of Destiny and then roll that sucker. 
Um, so let's see. I hate it the most, so I'll be one and two. Um, Eli Tucker's probably in the middle. Three and four. Steven, you're five and six. You seem to like it the most. Let's go! That is a four, ladies and gentlemen. That is a four. I'm Which always means in the that middle, it, man. Tucker. Yeah, That's see, so I've noticed something. That like Because we shift the numbers around every time, mm -hmm. I like never have to do it. And I was going to say, I that. don't like, think I haven't noticed that, Mr. I'm the one that rolls the D6. <laughs> wait a minute. I take umbrage with your accusation, <laughs> sir. I trust you, Brad. I, I, trust I was you. about I was about to suggest that maybe we stop assigning them and we have the same two every time. That might it's be more, a better idea. It's more yeah. fair that way, so maybe I'll have to do it sometimes. I feel like that it would make sense that Steven would be one and two, Brett would be three and four, and I would be five and six. All right. We'll institute that starting next week. You still have to go. Because oh, you want to know why though? Because Steven steers the ship. Brett and I, we kind of riff on the steering of the ship that Steven does, but Brett was here before me, so he goes before me. It's and perfect, also, right? Like, that works, right? Yeah. Yeah. I agree yeah, with I, that. I, I accept yeah. it. I accept your yeah, logic. Yeah. yeah. And anyway, again, I'm not, uh, I, I wasn't really steering. I was just kind of riffing on everything. And then Brett's the one who's like, hey, shouldn't we do the plot? And I'm like, okay. You notice I'm never the one that says, well, let's do the plot. I just... I just get so well, into talking about Well, that's the other movies. thing I was going to say. Like, I'm wondering, because this happens on some podcasts that have a running thing like this, is that it it, ha it starts to happen later and later in each subsequent episode mm -hmm. until eventually it just never, it doesn't happen anymore. It just, it just goes away. <laughs> well, you I know, mean, we haven't done the segment. episodes in, so. We haven't done the segment that we didn't do from the beginning, but we started doing for a while and then we totally forgot to do it again. But sometimes we still do it, but shut the fuck up. Yeah, we haven't done that in a long. We haven't done that. Well, that's in kind of that's episodes. that's bits gimmick though. Well, but and I I agree with you, Brett, that the longer we hold off, it feels like you know it might just get cut altogether. So I feel like that we should implement, um, maybe plot and sixty like right off the bat, like first thing we do after we have our introductions, roll into the plot. Why are we having a band meeting? There was that one episode where we had Jim Rohner on and he had to leave early. And so we didn't do it till after he left, which was like an hour in. That's, yes. That was a good time. That was Little like Monsters, we right? Much, Wasn't that Little Monsters? Yeah, Little Monsters. We were pretty yeah. much done with the entire thing. And I'm like, hey, let's do the plot. And then we continued on for like a half an hour after he yeah, left. Yeah, you, you and I kept talking after that, yeah. Uh, speaking of those anyway, monsters, let's fucking have, do it. I have 60 seconds on the clock. Tucker, the time begins whenever... You do, and as always, I will give you the 30 and 10 second warnings. So Sarah Polly's character, she works at the hospital, and she comes home, and she talks to her friend that's a kid, and then she goes to sleep, and she wakes up, and the friend that's a kid is a scary zombie, and she does this weird, like, superhero jump and land, and she bites her husband, and her husband turns into a zombie, and she runs, and she gets in the car, and she drives... And she she crashes her car, and she meets Ving Rhames, and then they meet uh, that one guy and Mackay Pfeiffer and his lady, and then they go to the mall, and they meet the security guards, and then Zombie Baby, and then fucking uh, they they armor up all the cars because their friend Andy, well, not because their friend Andy, but because I forgot to mention him, and there's this dude Andy across the street, and they talk 
on sign and they play games and it's really cool and they armor up the trucks and they go out and everything goes wrong and everybody dies and even when they end up on the island everybody dies and everybody dies and it's over and everybody dies because the man came around uh, right, two seconds to spare. Well done. That was good. That's good. That's good. I feel like I really explained that plot, like the broad strokes and some of the intricacies. I really nailed it. Except for completely missing Andy, one hundred percent. Which was like right. my favorite character in the movie. Honestly. I came back to it. I came back to it. You did. You did. You did. Much like Andy, I didn't mention the dog. Fuck. You didn't mention chips. That's true. But I tell you what's cool, and Tucker, you probably know about this, Stephen. You probably don't. Um all the extras that came with this movie. Yeah. Um, like there's, there's whole, like Andy gets his own like short story film of like, I have the DVD dude. I was going to say, yeah. I think, I think I read about those like on the DVD, but yeah. Yeah. Like, and then that tells his story before and during the movie. And like you up know, until he gets bitten. Right. Weird because yeah. they, they did film a lot of that for the actual film. And I was actually reading something about Blair Witch the other day, like that that documentary that they released a couple weeks before Blair Witch came out on Sci-Fi Channel. That's all shit that they that was supposed to be in the movie because originally they were going to make it documentary style and then have the footage interspliced. Right. Those two things, the curse of the Blair Witch and the Blair Witch Project. That was supposed to be one thing. And I just found Hmm. that endlessly fascinating because I can't believe after all this time, I'm just now knowing learning about this. Right. Yeah. So all the Rustin Parr stuff and all the footage and stuff from Curse of the Blair Witch, they shot when they shot the movie. They shot it for the movie. Right. I think that's interesting. Anyway, Dawn of the Dead. Yeah, the DVD has, it goes, you have the tapes from when they go to the island. Um, you have the tapes, like Andy's old tapes. Not Andy. Um, What's the guy's name? Steve? The guy who has the boat. Steve. Yes he all of his dvd there's so much on there this was 2004 was kind of dvd was king special features were king you were filming stuff behind the scenes literally for the like they were you probably had an entire crew another Mm. entire crew just going around doing shit interviewing people filming behind the scenes they would give yeah, a cast they, member like a little GoPro-esque camera and just say, here, just like film a diary and we'll put it on the DVD. Like shit like yeah. that just happened all the time in the early And there were also full versions of the newscasts you see in the movie. Yes. Like, it's the full version. Like it was, it was really cool. A lot of the extra stuff for this movie is really cool. Because like I said, I'm, yes. a, I'm a whore for like outbreak starting in zombie movies. I don't know why. Yeah, it says uh, the lost tape over society collapse. I guess. Well, and I over... think I, I think that's a huge thing, just in for zombie movies in general. I think the people that make zombie movies tend to be really obsessed with that moment, because I think they're obsessed with the idea of someone's world being turned upside down, and then you catch up with them later and see how much they've changed in the interim, or how much they've changed from the outbreak to where they are at the end of the film. It it helps complete a narrative arc, I think, a lot better, which may be why you're a sucker for it and why filmmakers keep going back to it. Like we said, that's one thing that makes this trilogy different from Romero's original is that every single one has a different start of the outbreak. Um, And what a start. It's a, just a, wow. This movie just like rips your face off and shits in your eyes. Like it really does. As soon as it comes on, like you get a little bit of time to breathe or at the hospital still, you're like, Oh, something's going on. I know this is Mm -hmm. a zombie movie and they're at a hospital. They fake you out a lot in that hospital, too. They do. They really do. 
and then once the she wakes up in the morning it's like mm-hmm. evil dead like like the the original evil dead once it starts it does not fucking it stop. stop like it's right. throwing you through wall after wall after wall fucking mortal Kombat versus dc style just bam 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 and yeah. it's, I mean, the little girl's got her like lips bitten off, which means that probably yeah. one of her parents like got infected and like bit her little her little lips mm-hmm. off. Oh, that's one of my favorite fucking things is seeing the different ways that through like background storytelling, they sort of tell you how they got bit mm-hmm. like, or you can sort of interpolate how they got bit. I, I love that shit. I feel like it's it's kind of an upgrade, honestly, to what Romero does in most of his movies where they just sometimes have funny outfits on. Like sometimes right. you'll get a clown, you yeah. know, in day there's a clown in there day is. that pops the up. All day. You've got the yeah. Hari, Hari Krishna zombie in Dawn. Right. Yeah. Like you always got somebody that's like, that's not that's not something you see every day, but that tracks. Right. You know? Yeah, it would make sense. There would be a Hari Krishna in a mall. Like like yeah. Burt Reynolds. Yeah, yeah. I was about to say, yeah. like this. This is one of the first movies way before Zombieland that touched on like celebrity zombies. Like celebrities would be turned into zombies too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. yeah. In this in this case, I think it's probably more likely that they're all um, lookalikes because, you know, are there celebrities in Milwaukee, Wisconsin? Probably not. Maybe, uh, you no. Know, like, I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, I had something to say, and then it just like. <laughs> flew away from me what, were you going to talk about the dvd extras because we kind of cut you off there that's you true i was going to talk sorry i was going to talk about prince but um that feels like just way too much of a tangent um you a tangent so no the dvd has the lost tape which is over 15 minutes of terrifying footage terrifying footage revealed chilling images from a recovered home movie document andy's last horrific days as he battles zombie hordes outside his gun shop and fights to maintain his safety. So that's cool. Um, plus the thing we were talking about uh, with the full news reports, which is cool, which is something I really wish they would have done that they would have done on the diary of the dead DVD, because there's so much, especially with those news reports at the beginning that I'd really like to see all of that fleshed out, like on a DVD extra. Actually, there's a lot of stuff in that movie that i'd love to see fleshed out and the dvd is just so bare bones but maybe that was just budget budget constraints because i mean it's not like they had a whole lot of money to film diary with so yeah i'm i'm in real time perusing my dvd collection here um so the diary of the dead dvd has a commentary with romero a documentary on the film yeah outtakes like yeah none of it is well, the character confessionals. And yeah, I do remember that. So that's kind of cool. They did it kind of like reality TV style. Hmm. But other than that, you would think there would be so much more in this movie. Yeah. Especially with the news reports and stuff. Yeah. Well, I guess since Steven's back, we have to start talking about Dawn of the Dead again. <sighs> I mean, he's, he's seen Diary. So, yeah. I have. Yeah. That's that's one of the one of the three that I'd seen prior to this this whole thing. Yeah, yeah, I think it's fine. That's what I think of Diary of the Dead. I think back, it's back fine. in the day when I used to really love Diary. Like I used to say it was my favorite zombie film, but I've since seen better. So yeah, and it's not bad. It's not bad at all. 
It's no. far from a bad film. And I mean, I it's, don't it's, think it's... it. I was say I don't think that it stacks up. I think the only one that it's better than is survival, but it's still I really like I own it, man. I went to fucking Lafayette Square to get this DVD. Come on. Damn, you that's, must really love that's it. Dangerous. That is it dangerous. Is. Well, I'm sorry, in two thousand eight, that was dangerous. You put your I don't life know what it's in like now. hands to get that. It's probably worse now, honestly. Price. They don't call it Lafayette Scare Mall for nothing. Jeez Louise. I would not nope. There's a lot of bad neighborhoods in Indianapolis that I feel very comfortable in. That is not one of them. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. That's fair. It is. Scary but yeah. Place. So, uh, so yeah, uh, Dawn of the Dead. What? Uh, I don't know. Like, again, this, this movie is doing something very, very different from the original. Um, and to the extent that it doesn't really feel fair to call it a, <clears throat> excuse me, doesn't really feel fair to call it a remake more as so much as like a, a reimagining or a riffing on on what the I say it's an homage. Homage. It's an yeah. homage with a lot of Easter eggs. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Like when you you know adaptation in name only. I would say this is a remake in name only. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a reno, if you will. Completely different than last week, where you know we had some big changes, but essentially it's the same movie. Yeah. This is the only thing that's the same about this movie is that there's a mall involved. And they reference the original a whole bunch, but not in a way that like affects the story. Right. It's all it's it's mostly like lines and kind of throwaway moments. Cameos. Uh, or, or char- cameos, character names, like the fact that Kenneth is named Kenneth as an homage to Ken Forey. Um who appears as oh, a character he? saying his famous line about, you know the no more room in hell. So the dead walk the earth. Um, mm. You know, you, you've got those, those moments, which are very tongue in cheek and very fun, but um, yeah, it's, it's, it's a very different move. This could have been called something else. And I think it still would have worked as a zombie film. It did not have to be Dawn of the dead. It could have been just mall of the dead. And we probably would have been okay. That's always really been my biggest issue with this movie. And it's a non-issue because who fucking cares? Like it's, it's all, it's, it's just being pedantic, like whatever. But still, I mean, it is worth discussing for sure. We're nerds and so we reserve the right to be pedantic. I do just think it's very silly that this is called Dawn of the Dead. Real quick, Steven, quick, uh, quick, um, oops, all Christianity corner for you. Mm. Um, how from, your point of view how do you feel about that character like do you feel like i mean that's probably where the church would go like you think they would go that route to like it's all of your fault because you're all sinners or... i mean that, that does tend to be the route the american church tends to take these days and if you i mean if you look at it in a post 9-11 lens i think that becomes even more stark um, like, cause we're talking about a national disaster, like a disaster on a national scale, similar to what nine 11 actually was. Um, and immediately in the aftermath of that, you have Jerry, Fa- Jerry fucking Falwell going on some news channel and saying that the reason that nine 11 happened is because God was punishing us, uh, for allowing homosexuality to persist unabated in our culture. What a um, piece of a- shit. 
That is a thing that fucking happened. And we all let it happen. Um, and I say we all in that, you know, the church and like so many people did not fucking hold him accountable. And I regrettably so many fucking agreed with him in that moment. Um, and I, it, even at the time uh, when I was significantly more conservative and bass backwards than I am now, I remember thinking like, dude, w- read the room. Like even, even me at that point was like, dude, chill. Like, and you have, and, but that's kind of always been the role of the televangelist because it's not actually about the faith. It's not actually about uh, propelling it forward. It's about reaping the benefits. It's about in this Trump would do this very successfully years later. It's about lionizing a certain subset of the, of the community that feels very disenfranchised and getting them worked into a tizzy about something that ultimately doesn't really affect them, but you're going to make them think that it does in order to get them on your side. And that's, it's, it's, it's a dog whistle is really all it, it becomes. And if they're on your side, they will give you money, please. Correct. Which is, I mean, really it's, it's, it's about prosperity at the end of the day. Um, It's all about greed. It is. It's a central tenant. To me that even in an apocalyptic situation where I don't know, maybe it's just hubris that they think they're going to survive it or like, Maybe at, at that point when that broadcast is happening, it's not full enough into the end times yet that maybe he thinks this is just, you know, a thing. I mean, it can't be that but, far after the outbreak because we see the outbreak start. So sure. yeah, And not yeah. much time. I don't feel like more than a couple weeks really go by. I think, and I remember I, just I based on the dialogue takes place within like maybe a month. So. Yeah, I was going to say I was surprised by the dialogue this time because I never noticed before. Sometimes they do mention like the passage of time and it's it's not very much time. It's like not. they'll be like, oh, you remember what happened yesterday? And it's like the last scene. And you're mm-hmm. like, holy shit, really? Like we're moving through time that quick? Holy crap. Right. Yeah. So it's, it's, it's fascinating to me that they, you know, televangelists will double down even when the world is ending. It's like you're not going to get any donations from your followers. They're all dead. So what's the point? Like, even in the face of being proven wrong, you have to twist it your own way. That's, but that is, that's, that's not the mark of a religion. That's the mark of a cult. And we see that with the fucking MAGA. Is there a difference right now? Like Trump is put on, there is, if you really want to get technical, there is, but that's another discussion. No, I know. I know. That's a whole other (laughs) podcast on our Uh, Patreon. Patreon.com slash disenfranchise. 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 pod. Right. I don't do the plugs that often. Sorry. <laughs> I know. At least I, I tried. Agree. Okay. At I least agree. I tried. Brett, I appreciate I applaud that you effort. for trying. Really yes. Do. That, that was wonderful. Like, way to step you, up. You I mean, you fucked you... it up, but like, you got your boys here to like, we got your back. Yes. I'm going to give you such a big hug the next time I see you. It's just not even funny. Um, I'm going to take a picture of that hug. You please do. I want you to. Yeah. And I want to put it on all of my social media accounts. Um, but the, um, I don't even know what I was about to say. Um, but I mean, you see it with the, the MAGA asshats now, like Trump is on trial for literally defrauding the entire fucking country and this specific group of people. But they're so far into this shit that to like turn around now is to lose so much face and credibility. And so they have no choice but to double down now because, well, I it had to be for something. Right. Well, it and why would they for nothing? Why would they do anything but double down? This is the guy that validates their shitty opinions. Mm-hmm. 
Like, because any sane person is and that's why like before the whole trump thing why are we talking about this before the whole trump say, thing let's not, we're veering too far like let's <laughs> steer steer but, but, Steven, I mean, to, stare back to bring it back to bring it back to like the would would an evangelical double down i think absolutely they would double down this is all they know this is willfully this is all they know this is literally as far as they've allowed their understanding to progress so there's and it also fits it. their beliefs and agendas too. Like they don't have to think about anything or consider anybody else's opinion or maybe say, you know, I think I might be wrong. This, I don't. What's going on here? Yeah, it no, it's it very simple. You just it's yeah. a small walk to say like, well, yeah, hell's full because you're all sinners. So now the dead mm -hmm. walk the earth because there's no Correct. more room there because you're all right. fucking sinners. And that that feels very much like a uh, Westboro Baptist kind of opinion. Um, is uh because because they believe they're all going to hell too there's no hope in westboro baptist their their theology is so fucked there is no hope even for them like it's 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 the darkest well, fucking some of them have gotten time. out like the the daughter of the main guy she got mm -hmm. out like she was pals with kevin smith for a while they did like well, a I mean, whole podcast thing it's up there with like scientology just in terms of like how embedded that shit is but yeah 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 you know, uh, we will be bringing this back up next week because John, in the original Day of the Dead, has some some like-minded comments to to put forward for speculation. I am. Uh, does Does Romero ever deal specifically with religion in one of these in one of his one of his zombie films? Or well, spoilers for next week. But uh, when Sarah comes out to the RV. Mm -hmm. with uh with john and uh oh, what's his nuts mcdermott um they're talking you know and john's like like why the fuck are we even down here we got all this shit down here that nobody's ever gonna find like humanity's done and he's all like if you want if you want an explanation for this i'll give you one that's as good as any i'm paraphrasing here he says maybe we're we've been cursed by the creator like he's sick of us trying to figure his shit out. Yeah, dude. And like he also says something about like it's kind of a a, a the flood sort of Noah flood thing mm. where he's like, you know, mm. we're getting too big for our britches, mm. you know. And and God's like, no, 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 back up, back up, guys. And that's spoilers for next week. Uh, well, I guess we'll circle back to this topic again next week then. Yeah, that's yeah. as far as I know in the Romero films, that's the only time that he has directly had a main character like exert a religious opinion about it. Because hmm. like you've got Ken Forey in the original Dawn of the Dead explaining what his grandfather used to say. He's not saying, hey, I'm Macumba, you know, voodoo. Like, this is me. This is coming from me. He's like, right. have you heard of this? My granddad did this, and this is what he said. Yeah, he was a high priest back So I feel like it's kind of, yeah. yeah, I feel like it's kind of different, you know? Yeah, I, oh, I agree. And I think, I don't know, I, I think it would be interesting to do a zombie movie from that kind of religious perspective. It um, probably exists. I, I'm sure that if it does. Because after this movie hit, there were about a hundred zombie movies coming out a month for about 10 years. Yeah. This, this movie kind of catalyzes the zombie trend to the extent, like I think 28 days later in resident evil, like paved the way, but this movie really kicks it off. Um, you get kind of the trickle effect for, for those two movies in 2002, 
but then 2004 hits and it's just that's it and there's a lot of really good stuff that came out of that but you guys i'm still finding stuff from that era of movies that's good because back then it was just too much to slog through because 90 percent of it was fucking shit like really really bad and to find the good stuff you had to go through so much shit which is now that we're so many years removed from that era of zombie filmmaking it's easier for me to find something Mm -hmm. because people have examined it and re-examined it and the hidden gems have come to light etc etc I'm in a position now to where I don't have to surf along the wave of shit just to get to like a diamond. Nice. And it's beautiful. Yeah. It's also been, no pun intended, done to death. Like there's, they're running out of zombie ideas. Like mm-hmm. you, there's, there is really a finite amount of stories to tell there. I think, I don't know. On some degree, I, I agree with you, but on the other, I think zombies are the perfect horror villain, the the perfect horror antagonist, because they can literally be a substitute for anything you're afraid of, and they can be in any setting. It's just like Final Destination, right? Where like I don't understand why there has not been a Final Destination movie released every year since the first one because it's so simple. Mm-hmm. You make the deaths creative you you have a story that at least works and you get some good looking early to mid 20s actors to say some fun dialogue and watch them all die it's it's there's there's a formula to all of this yeah but four (laughs) bombed real fucking hard and five couldn't recover i know and that's i which is why i don't understand it's 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 a lob a final destination movie you get a good crew on it. It's just so I could write one right now. Probably well, give me a couple fine. weeks. Saw did it. Saw picked up that ball and ran with it. Right? Yeah, they really yeah. did. Yeah. Yeah. That's we that's the, the that Rube went. Goldberg deaths kind of <laughs> transferred from Final Destination oh, over to Saw. I prefer Final Destination. Well, you haven't watched the Saw films yet. Which you're I have. To I'm good at. I know, man. I'm going to do it. Look, the people are clamoring for a uh, a, a disenfranchised on the Saw franchise. So. Me too. Look, the end of the season was today. I, I, just need, I just need a week to just relax and maybe catch up on some sleep. And then... Sleep when you're dead, Tucker. You don't need to worry about that now. I'll, I'll be... What's the Weird Al song? I'll be something when I'm dead. I'll be mellow. I'll be mellow when I'm dead. You guys don't know that there you one? Go. No. No. It's, I don't it's know a song one. all about what you were just saying. Yeah. Must be one of his originals. I'm not as familiar with his originals. Yes, it, it is a style parody, and it's. Yeah. I think it's on his first record, the self-titled mm, one. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And, I've become uh, more of a fan of the style parodies and the original songs than the actual outright parodies as the older i've gotten because i, I really appreciate the the musicianship uh, his band is amazing oh yeah, yeah. and Let speaking me... of musicianship what do we think is not in this movie drops in this movie uh they're fine like uh, i don't know like mm. i mean yeah like the the johnny cash song at the end the the Richard Cheese needle drop is always great. You the Richard Cheese it. needle drop might be one of my favorite needle drops in film history. God, that was so well timed. 
But yeah, it's a good them, montage. It really is. Because yeah. I mean, that's cool. that's a thing that Snyder gets a lot of shit for is just the constant need, and it was something that even the DC films started to like particularly the original suicide squad you're just like fuck really again another one and but, but those were all very on the nose but i think it's something that snyder catches a lot of shit for is the the constant needle drops it doesn't well, stand out in this for me either way i'm kind of indifferent to it like well like well like what oh it didn't do you um well like brett was saying like it there's a few really good needle drops but the rest are forgettable like they're not bad. I'm not like what? The, why the fuck are they playing this song? I hate this. It's right. more just like okay, this fits. But I guess whatever. It's but not it like just... we're zooming into a scene set in New Orleans playing "House of the Rising Sun" or you know, all the <laughs> fucking... walk into New Orleans. Right, all the fucking obvious as fuck ones in the in or, the uh, that was or my Vietnam Sam movie with Fortunate Son playing. You know, same thing. Mm. Or my least you favorite do not ever. You do not make a Vietnam movie without credence you really like, i don't like it i don't like it as any more than you do but it but is law to. no i agree yes. i don't like it at all it fucking sucks but it we talked about that on our fucking forrest gump episode i um, would be look i'm i'm mad when it's there but i would be even more mad if it wasn't there true no what um, i was gonna say is like so you know james gunn sees Zack snyder's bullshit and all those needle drops goes holds my beer and makes the guardians of the galaxies movies but, go, and and yeah. I think the, what what makes those work is that those all work within the context of the film that he's putting together, right? And Snyder, the third one's a bit too much always, on the nose, but yeah, I, agree I with think you. Watchmen is kind of where Snyder goes off the deep end with his needle drops a little bit. Like there's that really great opening sequence to the times they are a change in that I think is still one of the great opening sequences of a movie. Like that opening sequence is Agreed. the best part of Watchmen. Um, but the rest of those needle drops do not, and a lot of them he's pulling right out of the comic and they still don't work that well. Well, for me with Watchmen, why are we talking about this with Watchmen? Like, okay. Yeah. So with Watchmen, what I appreciate about the needle drops in Watchmen, unlike guardians of the galaxy three is they're not all obvious and they're not all songs that everybody knows. You might find a new favorite song in Watchmen. There's going to be a few songs in there that you don't know. And I really seeing Zack Snyder's other films. I respect the restraint mm. in Watchmen because mm. he is usually more guardians of the galaxy three, where it's like, Oh, look, it's this thing. I'm going to take the song that is most literally connected to it and play it behind it. And then you guys will make the connection. and Everybody will be happy. You know, no, in Watchmen, he kind of, he throws some deep cuts in there and it's really impressive based on in context with his other work. And again, a lot of those are pulled crib directly from the comic too so yeah which i mean either way it doesn't matter like at least he could have done different songs ones that everybody knew but he's stuck with it which i really would wish you could have just stuck with the original ending did you guys watch the Watchmen tv show that was really good it was really good i agree it's really really good brett it did you see that good. i never got around to it no motherfucker it be, it's it on hbo max. On max yeah mm, watch it right dude you are gonna Love it. It's good. It'll so make good. you. It'll it'll make you wish they they did another season of it. But yes, it was kind of one of those things. Like we want to do another season, and Damon Lindelof's like, I got nothing, man. I don't know what you want from me. Like I did what I wanted to do, and they're like, but but you could do more. And he's like, no, I'm nope. good. 
sometimes you got to know when to bail. You got to know when to hold them and know when to fold them. Yeah, walk away, run, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, yeah. Based on Lost, he didn't really seem to know when to quit, right? Well, well he was a young man then. I was going to say, he learned. he's learned. He's learned. <laughs> All right. Well, I and mean, he doesn't have J.J. Abrams there to like fuck mm, him up either. Or Carlton Cuse, for that matter. So, you know. Or Terry O'Quinn? I don't well, know anything Terry, about Lost. Sorry, Terry O'Quinn's in it, I'm be, sure. Wasn't one of the showrunners, but he's in the show, yeah. I'll bet he runs at some point in the show, so same thing. Is it though? There. It's not. It's not, there. it's not. It's not. Oh, no, it's not. The same that one, I'll give you that one. <laughs> Literally. Thank you, Brett. Literally. I appreciate I appreciate you coming there to my aid a, there, but there no, I can't, I can't defend that one. I mean, I could have, but it's fine. <laughs> Go to bat for me, Brett. It's like you backed up. Ace backed attorney, up objection. <laughs> wow, there's... Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I... No, the, but that Richard Cheese Needle drop is just... Mwah. Perfection. It's good, and then they they bring it full circle, and that's the only time that I will ever sit through and partially enjoy "Down with the Sickness" by Disturbed mm. is in the end credits of this movie, just because they Richard cheesed it first, right? And then you get to hear how fucking stupid and ridiculous the original song is, and it's mm, ah, Chef's kiss. Mm, I love it. I will say this: a uh, short tangent on disturbed all of those guys are amazing musicians they're all experts at their craft i just think their music lacks any kind of soul or heart or humanity it's just robotic and fucking yeah my partner's gonna come for you tucker no dude like they don't even they made the limp biscuit mistake on that they didn't go to the best part of the song like they cut the best part of the song out like when it yeah. Anyway. Sorry. Anyway, you guys, uh, we're getting so far into the weeds. Well, then, then direct I us blame back myself. to where we need to be, Tucker. Uh, we were talking about needle drops in this we movie. And then I don't know that I had well, much. Yeah, we were, I think we were done with the needle drops. Yeah, I think we were. We were yeah. you know, so, so where do we go next, Tucker? You tell me. I don't know. The cast is pretty fantastic in this movie There's a lot of like really cool cast. people in this cast you have uh, i mean welcome back to the show ty burrell who we last saw in the incredible hulk episode uh where he yeah. appears as leonard sampson playing a very unfilled dunphy lenny character. um like the i it's it's always fun to see ty burrell pop up and stuff before he was on um modern family modern because- family yeah that that performance has pretty much tainted <laughs> everything else he's done because it, I'm just like, Phil, why? Why are you being like this, Phil? No, Phil, this isn't you. Think about your wife and kids. You love them so much. He is perfect in this role, though. Like He, he has kind of just is really the good. right amount of like swarminess, like icky. Ugh. I hate the fact that just about every Steve or Steven in film is just an asshole. Is like, I kind of hate that. As someone named Steven? What about Steve Rogers, man? What about Captain Murka? Okay, he's the exception, but just about the rest of them. Like well, he's better like, than every Brett in real life being terrible. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. right. I think you are the only Brett I know that doesn't suck. Right. It's true. But I mean, you get even the Steven in the original Dawn of the Dead sucks. What like, about Steven Universe? I don't know, Steven, Steven? Universe. 
He spells it with a V, though, so I don't know if that counts. Oh, yeah, okay, fuck it. Damn it, you don't get Steven Universe. That sucks. That's a good poll. Like, that's... I haven't seen that show. I need to see that show. That's too bad. You should see that show. It's amazing. It's what I've been told. I've been told. I cry during most episodes of that show. 90% your boy's blubbering. Right on. Yeah. But yeah, no, Ty Burrell is really good. Um, I I loved, I was not expecting the, the video footage at the, in the end credits with him. <laughs> yes. And so we like see a woman I take a, a, a bikini top off. I'm like, what the fuck is this all of a sudden? And then it's, it's on his boat and it's him. And I'm like, wait, he died. Wait, what happened? These love, are people who died, died. I love the moment. The song. Right. I love the okay. moment where Whatever. he turns to Sarah Polly and says, if that ever happens to me, I want you to put, you know, I want you to shoot me right in the face. And she's like, oh, it, it's going to happen. And then when the time comes, she shoots him right in the face and, and it, you cheer. You love it because he's yeah. such a fucking asshole. Yeah. 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 Who else we got there? Uh, Mackay Pfeiffer in the oh. worst part of this movie, the zombie baby and zombie pregnancy baby, yeah. subplot. That one, we could have just left those characters out and left that whole thing out and movie would have chugged right along. I like Mackay Pfeiffer. I, I do too. I don't think his, perf- his, his performance is good. I don't think the role is particularly interesting. Uh, but I, I think I it's love just stupid Mackay and Pfeiffer. I hate it. Honestly. Yeah. Yeah, like it insults my intelligence. That whole subplot insults my fucking intelligence. And then really his name drop in uh, that lyric of eight mile. That's what I think about all the time. <laughs> he's, he's this ain't Pfeiffer. This ain't like no this, damn movie. Yeah, this ain't no movie. There's no F- Mackay Pfeiffer. Uh, he's also <laughs> in the John Singleton Shaft movie that we'll cover on this podcast one day. Ooh, I can't wait to watch that. Um, but yeah, no, Mackay Pfeiffer, a good, good actor, great performer. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't like the character. I don't like the subplot. I don't like the zombie baby. Me neither. Who the it's fuck does? Stupid. What the hell? Come on. And again, that feels like because there is a pregnant character in the original film. So it feels like that's the way that I we can. I never made that connection. That we can riff on that. But then do something, you know, really edgy and cool with it that kind of like fucks you up when you watch it. And it's ultimately it's unsuccessful. Uh, And also the whole pregnancy subplot in Dawn of the Dead, like you don't first of all, you don't riff on that and you don't riff on it like that. Like that was a a real, real serious fucking thing. Like, yeah, all your decisions made, Stephen. Like that was a whole Mm -hmm. like they're big argument oh my yeah. god like you don't turn that into look zombie baby like fuck off fuck it right off like, with that it, it feels another on that example. Level. it's disrespectful like it's another example of disrespecting the original yeah it feels like a fundamental misunderstanding of what that Oof. subplot was and what it was for Ooh, that ooh. and again mm-hmm. that's romero's like comment on that mm. the you know new new wave feminism and the fact that fran never screams in that entire fucking movie was an intentional choice on the part of that actress romero asked her one time to scream and she's like no this character is too strong she's not going to do it he never asked her again he was like yep i get it and so that character never fucking screams in the entire movie and you know what i love that i think that makes her a very good character Damn it, Steven. You just took a half a star off of my rating by making me realize the connection of those two subplots. Sorry. 
Good. <laughs> I wish you'd never told me. Um, no, it's always it, better to know. It's always better to know. If there's knowledge, you should consume it. I yeah. I um. I uh, Michael Kelly. I love Michael Kelly. Um, oh yeah. Or as I call him, Jelko Ivanik's um, American cousin. Uh, even though they're not related, uh, they look similar enough that I always make the connection. I I'm, I always think Michael Kelly is Jelko Ivanik and vice versa. Uh, I don't know why. I just do. Um, but in a role like I've never seen Michael Kelly play before, basically playing a proto MAGA asshole. And uh, you know what? He does a really good job. Yeah. And I like, I like his arc going from, I would, I would kill all of you to survive to sacrificing himself. So the group can survive. I getting, do love that. Getting bitten and turning to that propane after he's blown up like three propane tanks already in the movie, turning around and go, ah, it fucking figures and just shooting the propane tank right in front of his face. I really like, his character arc in this i think mm-hmm. it's probably my favorite through line it's the best one movie for sure because yeah. he is such a piece of shit at the beginning but then like he kind of he finds a community you know like he's yeah. never had that kind of relationship with a group of people before and wow yeah and like because... there's some really good writing in this movie there's it's, some other it... stuff like the zombie baby but there's some really good shit in this movie because he starts with this like authoritarian hard ass asshole basically and selfish piece of shit learns to learns what it means to be a part of an intentional community which is Mm -hmm. really cool to see and ultimately makes the ultimate sacrifice for that chosen family which is again i think the really poignant send-off that we get yes he does it in the most sarcastic way possible like ah fucking figures or whatever he (laughs) says before he fires that last guy you son of a bitch but we know it's come like, but we know he's doing it ultimately for noble reasons so that the rest of the group can live. And that's fucking our friendship. Yeah. yeah. Friendship, friendship is magic. It's like those ponies told us all that, all those years ago. Friendship is magic. Yeah. Friendship is rare. Et cetera, et cetera. And sure. so on for about two and a half minutes. Right. Uh, and then of course, Ving Rhames, we, we stand. Absolutely. We love Ving Rams. You say that this week. Next week, you might be I saying know. something different. I know. <laughs> I mean, Ving Rams is my Ving Rams is like my favorite recurring character in the Mission Impossible movies. Like he is Ving, wonderful. Like as an actor and up, everything. Like, yeah. Oh, I love him. Yeah, I just want to give him a big hug. Yeah. He'd be like, Stephen, get off of me. Nah, he'd That's hug me he back. Say. I think he. I think he's. We a have the meats. <laughs> there it is. Uh, what about your boy Matt Frewer though? Max love, Headroom himself. I do love Matt Frewer, man. Like, and he's I I expected him to be skeevier because he plays a really good skeeve. Uh, also oh, appears in so Zack Snyder's in Watchmen. This. But yeah, he's so a wholesome. He's got two modes. He plays like a really good skis or an asshole, but then he also can like do these really poignant, heartfelt moments, and that he's he's playing a good dad in this movie. And he's 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 a good dad. Like you expect the other shoe to drop at any moment, and it never does. Like he's just a really wholesome, good dad, and I love that. And even him. when I, I also love like even when they're like, "Yo, we got to kill you," he's like, "Well, yeah, that tracks. Like that makes sense. I get that. Right. So let's yeah. let's go ahead and do this." Like, and he's just he just asks that they consider his daughter's feelings, and uh, but re- resigns himself to yeah, I, I need. And but they wait, they wait until he turns, and then the moment he turns, he's gone. 
Yeah. But yeah, love that. Sarah Polly, Academy Award winner, Sarah Polly. Oh, she's doing, you know, why you haven't seen her recently is because she's doing a lot of shit behind the camera, man. She's, she's not so a, much in front of the camera stuff anymore. A director she's and a, a writer. celebrated and director, yeah. Won, won her Oscar for writing the film uh, Women Talking this most this past year, earlier this year, actually. Um, oh. So she began her career as an actress and then eventually pivoted into um, directing and writing. And, you know, Yo, she hasn't been in anything since 2010. You know what? Good for her. Yeah. Uh, and since then, she's been like directing and, and like I said, directing and writing. And I love that for her. I really do. Like, I kind of want to go watch some uh, some Sarah Polly movies. I've heard the, the stories we tell is really good, actually. I've been meaning to kind of go through her um, writing and directorial filmography as well, because I always liked her as an actress in like yeah. the late 90s and early 2000s. All those independent films that she did. I always thought she really stood out. Well, and I mean that because she got she a lot of her acting was in independent films. And so she's like running around in the opening scene of this movie and, and says to Snyder, I, I think I've run more in this move in this scene <laughs> than I have, you know, in my entire career up to this point. And yeah. Snyder's like, you, sh- you should probably get used to that. Um, so, yeah, uh, you know, so maybe it's no wonder that she kind of like eschewed like larger big budget stuff uh, following this and did, you know, a lot of smaller went back to doing a lot of smaller films with, you know, a couple of exceptions here and there, but. Yarp. That's, yeah, I mean, no. the whole cast is great though. There really are. There's not, there's not really a false note here. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 outside love of, I'm sorry. I was going to say just outside of Makai Pfeiffer's girlfriend, just because she doesn't have anything to do. Her entire, and her, her entire reason by, for existing is pregnant the basis of her existence is just annoying in the first place in this situation and the way that she's presented. I'm not saying pregnant women in this into the movie, but just, just the way that she's presented in this movie to where she seems very helpless and, and depends on Mackay Pfeiffer for everything. I, she's just, she's a nothing character and I feel bad because I'm sure this actress is great, but she just has nothing to do in this movie. No, nothing at all. And again, that's that. I think that's a that's a script problem. Yeah. I mean, we we can flesh out a couple of other um, characters, uh, you know, a couple of our other female characters, but not this one for some reason. Yeah, she's the pregnant one, man. That's all you need to know. That's it. That's literally her entire her entire character is pregnant. Uh, a really well realized moment is when uh, I think it's Nikki runs into the building to save the dog. Uh, that just that just rang true like a hundred percent someone would do that and i love that she survived and you don't think mm-hmm. that she did and even homeboy's like why are we going after a dead person like she's exactly. totally dead right. and then there she is you're like holy shit she survived like i don't and even really mom. care about this character but the situation like wow you, you had me going there i was pretty sure they were going there for nothing good job script you had me going mm-hmm. yeah and it's 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 like save the cat to the nth degree like it's it's the platonic ideal of a save the cat moment where you can save the cat and make it a hero moment all at the same time. And she does, she saves the dog and it becomes a hero moment for her. Like it's great. And they build up to it too, which makes it a big hero moment. Like there's an entire like two minute scene smack dab in the middle of the movie for no reason where she can't find the dog. 
mm-hmm. and she freaks out. Then she finds the dog and everything's fine. It has nothing to do with anything else except right. to build up that moment where she gets in the van and just drives across the street for a fucking dog. And it's it's a great it's a great moment. It really yeah. is. It makes it feel real. Like at first you're like, why the fuck do I care about this? And then you see that and you're like, okay, not wasted time. Got it. Again, for its flaws, this is a pretty good script. It's not it's super tight, good. but it's pretty yeah. good. It's it's sloppy, but it's fucking good. It it's is. like Keith Moon's drumming is the script to this movie. <laughs> it's sloppy, but damn. It's it like Jimmy Page's done. guitar playing. Like, that's amazing, but also I think he like hit the wrong note a few times and I think he might be behind beat a bit. Like, right. I don't think he's really on tempo. How drunk is this guy? Right. There you go. All the drunk is the answer to that in the seventies. Yeah. Oh yeah. Keith Moon, a hundred percent. Um, but I mean, he was the basis for uh, the Muppet animal. So I mean, if that's anything, um, but no, I, and again, I, I generally like the script to this movie. I think, this is again some of the best directing Snyder has ever done. Um, I think this is the one that I think most people kind of give him. Like, given his filmography, they're like, "Oh, well, that's the good one," quote unquote, the good one. And I do. I put this on par with with Man of Steel for that. The, these two kind of hit the same bar for me. But yeah, I uh, uh, as far as Zack Snyder goes, I will echo what you said at the beginning of this podcast that that the fans certainly leave something to be desired. Correct. But I think that Zack Snyder is a very talented filmmaker, especially visually. Mm -hmm. He's kind of like Michael Bay in that way. Like you really need a good writer to like another director who gets shit on quite a bit, but yeah, who is an amazing, like he's He's so talented. Yeah. It's the same way with Zack Snyder. He's so fucking talented and you see it even in his shitty movies. Mm -hmm. They're beautiful. The man knows how to tell a story visually and that's all Mm -hmm. directing really is, is visual storytelling. So yeah, he's, he's able to do his job very well. Uh, I just think that his fans have kind of um, really kind of ruined things for him. And that's kind of a bummer for him, honestly. Yeah. Not to mention the whole thing with his daughter and everything and then Justice League and then not Justice League. It's been a rocky road for that dude. I'm actually glad to see that he's having a lot of success working with Netflix. Like that makes me happy that he's found like a spot to where he can do the things that he wants to do without too many people telling him what he can and can't do. And I think that's going to be proved to be a good thing for him and for how good his art is in the future. For all its flaws. I think that's something that Netflix does inordinately well is just allowing filmmakers to make the movies they want to make with very little interference. Like that's how we get Martin Scorsese's the Irishman. That's how we get army of the dead. Like there are these filmmakers who come to Netflix to make the movies that they want. That's how we get um, Michael Bay's uh, six underground. Like we get these movies because Netflix is like, well, we'll let you make something. And they give them the budgets that they require and let them make those movies. And the, the sad thing is they only give them a, a, the barest perfunctory uh, theatrical run, but you know, that's why we get fucking glass onion by Mm -hmm. our boy, Ryan Johnson. Like, because Netflix ponied up the cash for it. It's both fortunate and unfortunate because with filmmakers like Ryan Johnson and Martin Scorsese, and to some extent, Zack Snyder, those films do have staying power, Mm -hmm. but 
that's not really Netflix's business model. Netflix's Correct. business model is as many flashes in the pan as we can have consistently. We exactly. don't need people to be watching this for more than one weekend because we got something else coming out next weekend. Exactly. And I'm grateful for like the Criterion Collection and others that are willing to put some of those movies onto physical media because Netflix is completely uninterested in that, which is a big fucking yeah. bummer. And I mean, I well, know you, all of us are physical media enthusiasts. Um, so, well, you know, I think, we, we, I feel like they like have to, they would be silly not to think that if they do a movie with Martin Scorsese, it's not going to get a physical release. I feel like some of these are just a given. They don't care if it happens or not, but they have to he, know that that's, it's like with the Wes Anderson shit. He, they just made a, the deal with Wes Anderson for the Roald Dahl thing. That sucks. Um, but you best believe that's going to come out on physical media because that's, that's a, it's a whole thing. I don't know. I like think the if people who watch that by physical media, I think if criterion hadn't stepped in for Irishman, I don't know that it would have gotten a physical media release. I don't. I feel because like Glass Onion still hasn't. Glass Onion still hasn't. It hasn't. I thought. I thought they'd announced that. Did they Did not? They? Oh, you're faster than me. Getting to the keyboard. I was about to look it up myself. I was almost sure that there's a physical release. Uh, I'm really oh, surprised if there's there, not. There is. I'm sorry. No, I stand corrected. There is. Blu-ray, 4K. Blu-ray. I don't uh nice. let me let me let me see about the 4K cuz honestly I would much rather have it on 4K. Oh yeah, if there's if the option exists, yeah, way into it. Uh I do own Knives Out on 4K. Uh it looks like it's oh, just yeah. Blu-ray. Looks like just Blu-ray. Yeah, well, which does bum me out a little, I'm not going to lie. It's better than having to buy it on DVD like most new TV shows that broadcast in 4K. Right. Oh god. And the only thing that's fucking available is a 480 DVD. Come the fuck on. Look, I'm going to say it right here. This is a hot take. Anybody that is still buying DVDs. And if time you have an HD TV. Time to update your shit. Let's be honest. No, dude. What are you doing with your life? Like, Blu-rays cost the same. Sometimes cheaper. Come on. Come on. Come on. Either start buying Blu-rays or get yourself a CRT. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Sorry. Again, I'm in the weeds on something that has nothing to do with what we're talking about. That's fine. What else do we have to say about Dawn of the Dead? Because I think we're getting close to coming in for Man. landing. Yeah, I'm ready to land this plane. Well, so I have a thing. Not yeah. about the remake, but there is a question that has always plagued me. Um, maybe then maybe it's not relevant, really. Maybe it's an obvious answer. Um, yeah. Maybe it's a plot hole. But in the original, um, when Flyboy gets trapped in the elevator by the zombies... Mm-hmm. Um, why don't they just tear him apart inside of that elevator? Uh, actually, he fights them off. Is why. Yeah, he fights but... them off. He, they bite him several times as he's fighting them off. He pushes them all out of the elevator except one, which he shoots in the head. Shoots in the head. Then pushes out. The elevator closes. He dies. And then when it opens, he's completely. Zombie he's a right. zombie. Yeah. But maybe, maybe so. Maybe I should have rewatched it. I thought I'd seen it enough. You but like, I, I seem to recall, and maybe there's a Mandela effect thing happening. But I recall my memory, like there were a bunch of zombies in the elevator with him when the doors opened back up. Maybe mm-hmm. I'm just misremembering. No, that. they when it opens, they they come at him at first, and they're like, "Oh, you, no thanks," and then yeah. they just go on about their uh, business. So maybe okay. that's what you remember because the, there is a scene where they're like, "Raw," and then they're like, "Oh fuck, never mind." 
Yeah. Yeah. And then he oh, goes right. and leads them upstairs because he's with the gun know. dangling from his finger. Right. Holding it Yo, out because he knows it's supposed to be held out, but doesn't know. David Emge is the star zombie in this he's movie. So good. So he good. is great. His shuffle, just since he got bitten bit in the leg, he's just dragging that fucking leg. He kind of like uh, stumbles and like turns a circle, like when he first comes out, like he like he's figuring yeah. out how to walk again. It's really They're just good. babies, man. They're just babies. Yeah, yeah. it's good. Oh, mystery solved. Thanks, guys. Yeah, dude, no problem. Well, watch that. On. Watch Dawn of the Dead again, dude. Watch that original extended yeah, cut. Two hours, nineteen minutes, and forty-seven seconds. That's the one you want. Is that the one? Not the Argento cut. No, see, okay, so you've got the theatrical yeah, cut, which is fine. The, the versions of the original. The theatrical cut is fine. It's serviceable. It is the film. Um, the extended cut uh, gives you more context while keeping the pacing tight. The complete cut is for diehards only. It's kind of like the Frighteners director's cut to where it's not good. But it's fun to watch to see like the stuff they cut out and why. Like if you're and interested the in the film, cut, right? No, the Argento cut oh, is shorter than the theatrical cut. Mm. Um, the ev- editing is even quicker, and the entire soundtrack is by Goblin instead of just certain tracks. Um, yeah, it's shorter. I think it's like 83 minutes. Oh, the Argento wow. cut is. Yeah, so you got your four versions there. Uh, the extended cut, two hours, 19 minutes, 47 seconds. That's to me, that's the definitive cut. The theatrical cut will work in a pinch. Yeah. And that the other two is on are YouTube. just I curiosities. I can't link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Cause it's all over YouTube. I believe there's even like 4k upscales on YouTube. Nice. So, Yeah. Uh, the Zack Snyder remake of Dawn of the Dead, however, uh, opens on March. Which also has a director's cut, by the way. There are two versions of that film as well. An unrated director's cut. Opens March 19th, 2004. Uh, on a production budget of $28 million, it grosses in its opening okay. weekend 26.7, which is enough for it to open at number one. Yeah, that's good for that kind of movie at that time for sure dethroning the previous week's number one which i'm pretty sure had held the number one spot for the first three weeks of its release Uh, a little film that we will probably cover on a patreon show that we previously mentioned uh, mel gibson's the passion of the christ oh boy i hate that movie in its in its four weeks in theaters has grossed 295 million dollars she is louise the only movie Uh, i've walked out of in complete silence i you know what no one was saying a fucking word walking Mm -hmm. out of that movie nope nope not at all and like you know it's like i enjoy some torture porn movies but that one just takes it too far Mm, that's my Gibson for you and like i get why it does it but it just gets to be a lot at a certain point like i've seen temptation of the christ you don't have to milk it like that anyway we'll talk about it on oops all christianity corner i'm excited about that maybe that's our easter movie that's our easter straight maybe dude straight up maybe is Um, jigsaw biblical we'll talk about it 
Maybe. <laughs> uh, in third place is the Angelina Jolie Ethan Hawke thriller that like no one remembers called Taking Lives. I remember the the poster, but that's it. Yeah, I I remember the twist of that movie, and it sucks. Um, I I loved it at the time, but uh, literally the next day I was like, that actually sucks. Never um, seen it. It, you're you're not missing much. In fourth place, a uh, future episode of this podcast, Starsky and Hutch. Hey, I like that one. That's fun. dropping That's to uh, dropping to four from three uh, after three weeks in theaters. And in fifth place, God, fuck this movie. I hate it. Secret Window. Well, why don't you like that movie? John Turturro's great in that movie. John Turturro's great. But that's about it. Johnny Depp's good in it too. Like, what? Mm. What, what? What do you not just? A elevator pitch I, what do you not like about it i, <laughs> I want to get through this quick but i also want to know that movie hinges on the twist and i figured it out in the first five seconds of the movie oh that's yeah the, the, okay. we don't have yep. time for this right. but yep. nope you yep. know i hate yeah, that yeah, yeah. Yep. And that's not a yep. reason yep. to hate that movie but we're not going to get into it right now um the rest of the top 10 in sixth place we have hidalgo uh, in seventh place, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind. Love that. Quickly before Love Tucker. Michelle Gondry. Fuck yeah. Uh, eighth place, <laughs> Agent Cody Banks 2, colon, Destination London. Can't believe that movie got a fucking sequel. Uh, in ninth place, Fifty First Dates, a movie that has been reclaimed as problematic. Mm. And in tenth I place, have, Confessions mm. of a Teenage Drama Queen, a movie you I guys did not know existed. Movie you what? Uh, Steven? When you were talking about Agent Cody Banks 2 and you said that nobody remembers it, I was going to say... I just said no one was asking for a sequel, but yeah. You said also said something about no one remembers it? I think I was saying that well. taking lives, but okay. Doesn't matter. I'm going to apply it to this. Uh, we all remember it about as much as Frankie Muniz does. Yeah, that's true. Which is not that's at all. That's a myth. Did you know that's a myth? That's not yeah, real. Yeah, I did. I did okay. know that. Okay, good. <laughs> But I love it so much. I love uh, the um, idea of it. I want to see a movie that's just based many, on that. Many myth. an interview since where he's like, "Well, I don't even know where the fuck that." I want came him from. to do a movie in that alternate universe where he doesn't remember that stuff. That's all I want. Uh, so this movie grosses, as we said in its opening weekend, twenty six point seven million. It goes on to gross a total domestic box office of fifty eight point nine nine. So basically, fifty nine million domestic. Uh, and that's off of a production budget of $28 million, so over twice its budget. International box office adds another $44.5 million for a total worldwide box office of $103.5 million. And um, yeah, we never got the sequel because, as Tucker mentioned at the beginning, uh, they handed that money to George Romero and let him continue his series. But guys... How about that segment that we haven't really been doing a whole lot, but we're going to do it now because we talked about it earlier in the episode. So shut the fuck up. Does yeah. it deserve? Does it deserve a sequel? Do you want to see a sequel? Do you want to see a sequel to this? Kinda, yeah. Uh, I would. I would see another zombie movie written by James Gunn and directed by Zack Snyder, because at I the end of this movie, is everybody is dead. Everybody, everybody's dead. So it would have to be akin to the original trilogy where they just move on in the outbreak with all new characters. But I would definitely fucking watch that. Yeah. I want them to go back to that any island and 
you know, you find want out what oh, happened. Yo, reverse 2011 thing. They could do that. Yeah. Right? Like, you've got it. Like, it's the same outbreak. You're further along in it. All new characters. But then, like, at some point, they come across the island. And they mm -hmm. find the videotapes. Yeah, that'd be cool. I'd watch and that. And maybe, maybe Ving Rhames somehow survived and is just kind of like... Ving Rhames. Ving Rhames. We have the meats. <laughs> Love that guy. The Tomatometer score on this certified fresh at 76%. I wouldn't see a sequel, by the way. The you wouldn't? No. Oh. No? Oh, yeah. oh. Okay. You wouldn't want you just wouldn't you would refuse to watch it. You'd never if it existed, you'd be like, you know what? It's my life's work not to watch this movie. <laughs> Fuck it no, up, it's I'm righteous a... a. I I am I am not that amount of petty. I would probably <laughs> I wouldn't want to, oh, but I'd probably it. watch it just out of curiosity. And I, well, you, you're saying you'd be apprehensive. You wouldn't exactly be supportive, but you would eventually look at it out of curiosity. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Well, yeah, yeah. Right on. Standards. Yeah. 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 I could dig it. 75% on Rotten Tomatoes, you guys. That's 76 fair. 76% on Rotten Tomatoes, a kinetic, violent, surprisingly worthy remake of George Romero's horror classic that pays homage to the original while working on its own terms. That's been a bit of an understatement and an overstatement, like all at the does same it, time. Though? <laughs> does it though? I would I would say it does work on its own terms, but, well, yeah, but does, again, it, does it pay homage though? Does it though? I mean, Tucker Easter said Easter eggs and cameos, Easter eggs and cameos. Tucker That's said all. it was more an homage than a remake, but yeah. Um, the Metascore uh, is 59 based on mixed or average reviews from 37 critics, and the Letterbox score a is harsh. a three point. Four. Brett, out of five stars, how are you rating Zack Snyder's 2004 Dawn of the Dead? Much like Tucker, it dropped a whole half star, and I didn't think that was even possible. So, uh, two. Yeah, okay. Decker, what about you? Um, It was a four. And then Steven proceeded to further ruin the zombie baby subplot. So now it's a three and a half. Good, good going, Stephen. Good job. That's what I'm here Thank for. It's you, a Steven. three. It's I a can't three and a half. You've done this. It's a three and a half for me as well. It doesn't well. deserve four stars. This movie doesn't deserve four stars. What are you doing, Tucker? I don't know. I like it. It's so much fun. It, it, I, I do think it's fun. Uh, Is it as fun as the original? No, but it's still pretty fun. And that guy really doesn't have any arms, and that's cool. You know, he's I mean? got an arm off. <laughs> Your arm's off. No, it isn't. What's that then? How about you? Um, yeah. Good times. And that, friends, is our episode on 2004's Dawn of the Dead. So that's all let's we got to about, say. Let's talk about Shaun of the Dead sometime. They probably wanted to do I'm a sequel to that. Yo, I mean, they, you they know what? Did. Here's well, the deal. And he does say he never won. He has but, said yeah. he's gone on record as saying he would never do one. So. Yeah, right. So it kind of doesn't fit our format, but yeah. But, but I I think I could finagle it to make it fit the format, the entire trilogy, because there are sequels that aren't sequels, and each one of those films, well, except for Worlds in does kind of set itself up for a sequel. No, Worlds End absolutely sets itself up for a. Oh, sequel. Oh yeah, it does. A TV show. That's what I want. Hmm. I'd watch the hell out of that. 
Yeah, dude. In post-apocalyptic with Gary King with all of the, the young robot versions of him and his friends. Robots. Yeah. Like, yeah a really, like, I think a really fresh zombie idea would be like, well, what if we just integrate zombies into society? Like the end of Shaun of the Dead. Like, yeah. Uh, there, have you seen Fido? Well, yeah, but that's like a different aesthetic and like a different... That's like, what if the zombie apocalypse happened in the 50s? Like, it's a little... It's different. Yeah. It's different um, enough. Yeah. Yeah. Fido is great, though. It is really good. I've never heard of it. Steven, have you... you Steven, oh, put it on dude, your list. you should check it out. Maybe not top priority, but definitely put it towards the top of your list. But you could throw it onto your 31 days of Halloween horror watching. I was going to say, I'm, I, I don't know if I'm going to actually hit the full 31 because I'm 11 days in and three movies deep, but I'll see what I can do. What's, uh, what's the, um, who plays Fido? What's his name? I never remember. Uh, the guy, he's in the thing oh, where he guy? plays really? the other guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, the dude where he's very like a very famous British actor. Um, yeah. Or Scott, he Scottish. He's Billy Scottish Connelly? Irish. He's Irish. No, he was in that other thing. Billy Connolly is Scottish. Billy Connolly. That's and it name. is Billy Connolly, yeah. He plays the main zombie, Fido. Yeah, dude. I like that. Carrie Ann Moss. Yeah, Carrie Ann Moss is the, the female lead playing a 50s suburban housewife. Yeah, dude. Living in a post apocalyptic really zombie world. It's pretty it's so great. So good. That was All one right. of the ones that really rose to the top during that time because it was during the era where you had to swim through a sea of shit like I said earlier, to get to the diamonds. And this one was worth the swim. Yeah, 2006. So there you go. Yeah, right around yeah. that time frame. Really? What if Fallout had a baby with Night of the Living Dead? I rented this from Netflix, like the DVD service Netflix mm -hmm. is how I watched this. Right on. That's also how I watched Moonlighting because no one's been able to watch Moonlighting for years until mm -hmm. now it's finally coming to Hulu. Time. that's why like i'm so confused when i talk about moonlighting to people and they're like i never saw it i was like it's not on streaming or anything i had no idea until recently that it had never been on streaming i rented yeah, the dvds from netflix so where are we on social media right so you can find uh the disenfranchised podcast uh, wherever you get your podcasts uh, in fact where you're listening to it right now you can find it there and while you're there go ahead and leave us a five-star rating and review especially if you're listening on apple podcasts that way people can find us and listen to us just like you're doing right now and just have a great time just listening to three friends being friends and talking about movies and disagreeing and getting angry but being friends all the same. Um, that's just the journey we're on together as friends. Um, you can also shoot us an email, disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Let us know how you think we're doing. Uh, if there's anything you would like to see us do more often, or if there is a movie that you would love to see us cover, shoot us an email and we might just try to cover it as soon as we possibly can. You can find us on all the social media. We are on Instagram, Letterboxd, Twitter, Facebook, and now Blue Sky at Disenfranch Pod. Um, I am your host, Stephen Fox. Whether you can find me on Twitter, although I'm barely there anymore, Instagram, uh, Letterboxd, and Blue Sky at Chewy Walrus. Brett, where can we find you on socials these days? You can find me on Instagram, Letterboxd, and now the barren yet fresh feeling uh, world of Blue Ski. At uh, good old blue. So, 
Um, I couldn't put the underscore for Blueski, so it's just sus warlock there. Mm. Everywhere else, sus underscore warlock. Right on. And Tucker, where can we find you these days? You know, I'm always hanging around YouTube at Ice909. That's I C E N I N E, the number zero and the number nine. Uh, you can also find me on Instagram with the same handle. Uh, we also do Tuck Mugs. The team over at Tuck Mugs was really si- excited this weekend because we got a submission from my very own flesh and blood, my sister. Right. With and the, what with a submission first, it was. With the first ever Tuck Mug celebrity sighting. Yeah, dude. Yeah, dude. Yeah. Very dude. cool stuff. It Tuck is pretty Bugs cool. is kind of on fucking fire right now. And not in a, a, the way that the world is on fire, but right. like, like fucking on fire, like in a good way. Like, yeah, we're, we're doing it. Tuck like, you know, it's getting shit. hot in here. So take off all your clothes kind of a way. Yeah, dude. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So check out Tuck Mugs, Tuck underscore Mugs on the Instagrams. And if you're a fan of this show, or even if you're not a fan of this show, if you fucking hate this show, but you have a mug that you really like that has a cool story behind it, holler at your boy. I'm not going to hold it against you if you hate this show. Like, I get it. Like, I know people that that if they listen to this show and they heard me being this manic and nerdy for an hour and a half, would probably jump off a cliff. Over two so hours. I get it. Episode. I get it. I get it. But still submit to Tuck Mugs, man. We need content. I have only so many mugs. I'm not saying I'm running out anytime soon. I'm just saying, you know, I only got so many. I mean, if you want some Tucker Light episodes, you can hit our early catalog or just listen to our Spyro episodes. <laughs> yes. Hey, there's so much more content without me than there is with me. So if See, you hate you this show choose. specifically yeah. because of me, you're still a fan, dude, because yeah. I didn't even exist until like a hundred episodes ago. And even then it was once a year. Yeah. Like there's a hundred and fifth this is our hundred and fifty-fifth episode. It is. Yeah. I'm I am a host in ten of them. Oh, not ten of them, sorry. Like uh, 40-some of them, and I'm a guest on, like, three of them. So, right. And so you got over yeah. 100 episodes. If you think I'm annoying, which most people do, even myself, I do, then just go back to before this January and have yourself a time. But you know what, Tucker? This, this show probably would not still exist without you, so... Now that we is love, true. We love and appreciate everything that you do. Word. And we thank you for being here and, and keeping us keeping us together. Yep. Yes, sir. Fuck you, sir. Sorry, I was getting into next week early. I apologize. <laughs> Ugh, I'm so sorry. Day of the Dead's just bleeding in already. We got to end Gee, this sooner. I'm just going to start talking about Day of the Dead. Wonder what we're going to cover next week. Um, oh, it's so, I forget. Always forget that it's a secret. And then I give it away on the main feed. I apologize. Well, that was a I thing we killed. Oh, we killed that a long time ago. We killed that. Uh, well, like this, I, four. The reason the reason we stopped get like announcing at the end of the previous episode what we're covering on the next one is because to, like a couple times we like fucked it up and like ended up not being able to record that episode or something happened and so we just like you know what let's not do that anymore so we just stopped altogether and sometimes that still happens sometimes we do have to make an eleventh hour change so. 
Yeah, that's why we typically don't, although this has been pretty locked in and Tucker's pretty adamant about it. So uh, We don't like to break promises around here, guys. We don't. That's true. So uh, if, we, if we can help it. so Sometimes uh, we readjust promises, the rage carry too, but they're still kept. That, yeah, still we're kept. Getting, we're, look, we're getting there, okay? Yeah. Tucker's gonna Tucker's gonna get his way I had to like I had to promise a promise a mountain and move some shit around but it's gonna happen so (laughs) but we're gonna make it happen so anyway that is all we wrote for today uh this has been the disenfranchised episode on Zack Snyder's Dawn of the Dead uh I am your host Stephen Foxworthy (laughs) from my co-host Brett Wright and Tucker until next time when the dead walk, signores, we must stop the killing or lose the war. And scene. We're going to try not to come back. <laughs> you already said that, though, when you introduced me. It doesn't work if you do it twice. I introduced, I, that's how I introduced Brett. Same thing. We're going to try not to. We're pretty much um, the same guy, right? Back. I mean, you, in so Can many Can you tell ways. us apart? I mean, you, you you both have beards. That's about where the similarities yep. end. <laughs> We're both really bad at voguing as well. <laughs> that too. So until next week, folks, uh, you ain't just down here by yourself, boy. <laughs>